Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it's over. It's finally done. As it looked like, it looked like, well... This thing's falling apart, but if it's falling apart, how's this going to work for spring training? And we're talking about the Red Sox and the Dodgers. You know, pretty much the deal's done. No, it's not. And if you read through the tea leaves, I think it's pretty obvious what happened. The Boston Red Sox made a deal. And this is why I, I... I'm going to I'm going to predict that Heim Bloom will not last in Boston more than 2 years. I I'm not rooting against him. I I'm not rooting for him to lose his job. I'm just saying the way you do business in Tampa is far different than what you do in Boston. And it's just been a train wreck, not all his fault by any stretch of the imagination. And if you're wondering who Heim Bloom is, uh, and not everybody knows who executives are, nor do you care, but he's the chief baseball, is it officer? Yeah, he's the only CBO of baseball, whatever that title means. Uh, basically, he runs the baseball operations for the Red Sox. Came over from Tampa. He's inherited an absolute dumpster fire. And we believe that the Red Sox are going to learn this week of their fate when it comes to electronic sign stealing. Now, technically, they should get hit harder than the Astros because they already were popped for the Apple Watches. And then they promised New York and the Commish, we'll never do it again. And then now they have done it again. So their penalty's coming down. 
So that's not Heinblum's fault. So then he has to fire his manager that he inherited. He still doesn't have a manager. And then he's got to trade his best player, arguably the second best player in baseball. I, We're going to ask Lou, do you think he really knew what he was getting into? But here's what happened. He agrees to this three-team trade, and then the people of Boston flip out. The media flips out. Uh, the fans flip out. And there's a huge reaction. And he realizes, I didn't get enough. Or he's told by ownership, we didn't get enough for Mookie Betts. So they have to all of a sudden go, wait a minute. This Bruzdar Gratterall, who's had Tommy John, throws over 100 miles an hour. He's got a sinker at like 101. <laughs> I mean, he's nasty. But now they have to bark at the medicals because they the, the trade's not good for them now. People are feeling like they didn't win the trade. Once again, when you're a guy in Tampa, you got to win your trades. So they basically halt the three-team trade between the Dodgers, the Twins, and the Red Sox because they're getting bad PR. And they already have enough bad PR, and they're about to get more. What happens if all of a sudden it comes down, you know, $5 million in penalties, you're losing first, second-round picks this year, next year? Who knows? If they're going to get what the Astros got or they're going to get more, there's no good PR whatsoever. But it looks like the deal is finally done. It has not been confirmed yet, but this is what it looks like. The Dodgers are going to get Mookie Betts, and they're going to get David Price. The Dodgers and the Red Sox are going to split the remaining $96 million owed to David Price. So that means the Red Sox got a better deal on the David Price. There was money going to be involved, but not this much. So they got to split David Price. So the Red Sox can now say, we got a better deal on David Price. The Dodgers also will pay all $27 million of Mookie Betts. So the Dodgers have, they've shaved way more payroll. Excuse me, the Red Sox have shaved way more payroll. Plus, the future payroll on Mookie Betts, which could be somewhere around $400 million. So you split David Price and you save a ton on Mookie Betts. The Red Sox will get Alex Verdugo, outfielder, who's had a bad back. They're going to get shortstop Jeter Downs. And they're going to get catcher Connor Wong. Downs will become the Red Sox top prospect as he's ranked number 77 in the top 100. Now you're wondering, okay, now what about the Twins? What happens with them? Well, the Dodgers then had to go to the Twins and cut their own deal. So all these deals had to be cut individually. So no no three-way deal anymore. The Dodgers trade with the Twins. Dodgers show, the Dodgers basically show that I'm not saying, can I say negotiated in bad faith? Because the Dodgers go, we'll take the guy that you you think is hurt. Dodgers now get the Gratterall kid. So the Dodgers now add another power arm in their system. 
They're also going to get outfielder Luke Rayleigh, the 67th pick in the 2020 draft, while the Twins get the guy they wanted, Kenta Maeda, who we've proven to you through some numbers, Maeda's been better than people think, and a minor leaguer plus some cash. <sighs> it's exhausting. The one that really affects the A's, though, in a good way, is that the Angels and the Dodgers deal is now off. So, Jock Peterson is not going. Jock Peterson is not going to Anaheim. That, to me, is a big deal. So, Jock Peterson joining an outfielder, joining an outfield with Mike Trout was a bad idea. How many home runs did he have last year? 37? I think 36 for for Jock Peterson. Yeah, that's a big, big improvement over Cole Calhoun. And then they were getting the pitcher, Ross Stripling, for Reinfro. Yeah, Luis Renjifo was supposed to be the guy going back. Stripling was an all-star two years ago. He's 30. He had 15. So, so for us, that means they don't get a power bat and a starter. Yeah, and what do they need more than anything? A starter. A starter. And they have – now, they, they don't put Jock Peterson in the outfield. You know, that, okay, whatever. They have Joe Adele, who's one of the top prospects in baseball. They could potentially, you know, have start opening day on the Why roster. Why would you not put Jock in the outfield? Well, I'm saying if you don't get him, if you're not getting him now. You, oh, yeah, 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 That's yeah, your yeah. fallback plan. Well – where are you going to play him if you're the Dodgers, if you have Mookie Betts? Well, I've heard they need to cut down two spots on their 40-man, and uh, Jock's only making 7.75 this year after he lost his arbitration hearing. Well, is this a Artie Moreno does not like being put on the back burner? There was a lot of talk, talk over the weekend that Artie Moreno did not like the way the deal was being negotiated. Here's what Billy Epler said earlier today. There are a lot of components in deals that we need to be that need to be satisfied before you get to a point where you are calling players and informing them. We weren't able to get to that point, and in fairness to our players and the players with other organizations, we won't comment further than that. So, to me, it feels like Artie Moreno and Billy Apple were not happy with the way this went down, especially Artie Moreno, who said he was seen as furious with the, how this is all uh, going down. But it's business. I mean, relax, Artie. It's business. I can't trade you. It, it, it's not our fault. If we're the Dodgers... It's not our fault that Hein Bloom made a deal and then it's like he got scolded by the media and the fan base. That's not that's not the Dodgers' fault. Dodgers thought the Dodgers had a deal. How about that? Doesn't the Dodgers show you everything that you don't want the power arm from Minnesota? This Gratterall guy who pitched in nine games and watching video of him, he looks nasty. Dodgers are like, we'll take him. I mean, this has been an absolute nightmare for the Boston Red Sox. And I've loved every minute of it. <laughs> I have loved watching this. It, it, it is a, it, I mean, the, they are in a nightmare situation. And you're, I can't, I, how do you, how do you, how do you get out of this? I mean, this just kind of feels like they're circling the drain right now. And I know people keep saying, hey, look at the talent on the roster. I just, there's so much negativity. They don't even have a manager. Now, 
Remember when I said I thought it was kind of fishy how Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, how fishy it was that I think it was, I don't know, 40 minutes or so after the report came down about the Astros and the penalties, I think it was under an hour that Jim Crane was in a suit at Minute Maid Park and firing and announcing the firing of his manager and his general manager. And he had talked to both already. I just found it like, this seems a little scripted. Like, Major League Baseball... And it wouldn't shock me, and, and that's there's nothing foul play here. The commissioner does work for the teams. The commissioner works for the owners. But it kind of felt like baseball called up Jim Crane days before and said, all right, we're going to announce this. I, I, what day was it? It was uh, – I don't even remember what day it was. But they call him up and say, all right, this is what's going on. And this is the day we're going to announce it. Otherwise, there's no way that Major League Baseball kept this secret. Let the Astros know what happened. And within a span of like 40 minutes, the owner fires the manager, fires the GM, has a suit on, and he's there at Minute Maid Park breaking the news. They had to have known ahead of time. And so it was all set up. Now, they want you to believe that they notified the Astros. The Astros then went, oh, this is horrible. Uh, now we're firing the manager. Now we're firing the GM. That's what they want you to believe. But there had to have been talk before, and now I think we're seeing it again because we're hearing Ron Renicky could be hired as the manager of the Boston Red Sox very soon. So that would mean Major League Baseball has told – the Red Sox that Renicky is not involved in the scandal. Because Lou Merloni told us, because I asked Lou who's going to join us later today, I'm like, why don't you just hire Renicky? Obviously, the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, he, he'll be his second time as a manager after being with the Brewers for years, being on Mike Sosha's staff. And Renicky said, you can't do – I mean, um, Lou Merloni said you can't do that because – if he's implemented in the investigation and you've already hired him, that means you're going to have to fire two managers in one offseason. And I went, boy, that really makes sense. But now they're floating it out there. Trust me, all this is floated out there by the teams. And if it's player-related, it could be floated out there by agents. But the teams are floating this out there. So probably baseball has already told them because uh, Manfred said on, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, I kind of, I was down at Pebble Beach for three days, so things are a little fuzzy for me. Um, but I know at some point, Manfred got up and talked and said it was coming this week. So obviously, he tells the Red Sox, Renicky is not involved. So now that they can float it out there, that Renicky could be the guy that's going to be the next manager. But then you have this story in the Wall Street Journal. And it's a story that basically, I mean, it, it lets you know 
that what we've been talking about is accurate. There's no way this was just player-driven. This is no way this is just lower-level employees. The Wall Street Journal has put out this long article about the stealing the signs. We've got names to it now that Houston was involved in dark arts. You know, they had, it, was, it was Operation Codebreaker. You had lower-level employees, as they like to call them, going to Jeffrey Lunau, the, G- the general manager, saying, look, this is how we can do it. And it started in 2016, and they did it in 17, and they did it in 18. But in 18, they started to realize, uh-oh, people are figuring this out. And one of those teams was the Oakland Athletics. What is really fishy about this article in the Wall Street Journal? You want scandalous. Guess whose brother works for the Wall Street Journal? As I'm snapping my finger like I'm Billy Bean pointing to Paul DePodesta. You you want me to speak? What does he do? He works for the Wall Street Journal. Jeffrey Luno's brother. He gets on base. Uh, Yeah, Jeffrey Luno's brother works for the Wall Street Journal. Huh, isn't that fishy? Now, I don't know if this article, reading this article, if, this, if, if I'm leaking this to my brother, Cody, do you think this, this article makes him sound good? This article really implements him. Implements him. Um, shows, again, yeah, no, implements, sorry. No, shows no remorse at all. No remorse. Implements him. But maybe, just maybe, Jeffrey Luno knows I'm done in baseball. There's no way I'm getting a job again. So what he wants to – because there's guys that are a part of this article are still working for the Houston Astros. I believe people did research over the, uh, on Friday. I haven't I didn't got a chance to check, but I'm going to trust them because they're trusted people on Twitter. They say that on their website that they, they still work for the Astros. One of them was an intern back in 2016 who initially started the whole thing. He showed them like a PowerPoint presentation to Luno. And then there's one other person. They both now still, according to the website, work for the Houston Astros. Uh, that's a little little odd that you fire the general manager, but keep the lower level employees who are technically behind it with him. But the whole idea of the Wall Street Journal and Luna's brother working for them is uh, very interesting. So yes, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Speaking with somebody, I won't use their name, but they're really really smart. They're an engineer in our business. He's an engineer in our business. And we sat down in the press lounge at Pebble Beach and had a long conversation about this. And when you really start to think of how to make this just work, okay, Alex Cora, no matter whether it was Houston or Boston, Alex Cora's not getting in his car, driving down to Best Buy. Buy in a television, multiple televisions, and cameras, right? He's not going there and putting it on the Astros or Red Sox company card. And then just picture Alex Cora walking the television. You know, he's got, he's walking, he's walking out with all the goods, right? All the goods in a shopping cart. And he's walking out to his car, putting it in the back of his car, driving to Minute Maid Park or driving to Fenway Park and then walking out to center field 
and putting the camera up. Oh, you know, okay, looks great. I can zoom in on the catcher. And then taking some type of hard wiring and taking it all through the stadium and taking it right by the dugout in Houston. Do you get my point? Alex Cora, I bet, knowing how old he is, I bet doesn't know how to do that. Like, if you ask me, or if you ask Cody, hey, uh, we're going to have this scheme, and we need to just make it work. Okay, forget about co- Operation Codebreaker, right? The, 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 the MIT guys can make that happen for you. But somebody's got to set all this up. Somehow you got to connect the, the camera to the dugout. And it has to be in real time, or you can't steal the signs. So it can't be on Wi-Fi. It's got to be hard connected. So I'm talking to this engineer uh, who's worked in, in baseball for many, many years, going, oh, yeah, come on. I mean, you got the whole so – there, there'd be a lot of people involved in that to make that happen. But, but the whole Wall Street Journal thing and Lunau's bro, brother works for – so basically Lunau's telling everybody he knows he's not working in baseball again. So he's putting it out there. And I told you this would happen. I told you. The, the, the closer we get to spring training, people are going to start ratting on each other. And that whole A.J. Hinch interview on MLB, that was purely an interview to try and get another job. Ah, it's my fault. Put it on me. I accept the suspension. Hey, did you use buzzers? Hey, I can't talk about that. Well, don't give it away. We, we I have a couple sound clips that we're going to play yeah, later. Yeah, can't talk about that. Well, I thought we. I thought you're all in on this. He he stands up there. I'm sorry. I own it. And now he'll get another job. But I told you. I told you. The closer we get, and once we get to spring training, people are going to try and separate themselves. Oh, my God, Dallas Keuchel, I'm sorry. Charlie Morton now, I'm sorry. They're pitchers. We haven't heard one hitter. So I'm telling you, yesterday down at Pebble Beach, I saw Verlander on number 14, and people were yelling, cheater. You're a cheater. Verlander didn't cheat. Verlander's a pitcher. Now, Verlander capitalizes off the hitters cheating, no question. But he's not the one cheating. People from the gallery were yelling cheater. Jim Crane walked off a Bay Area sports station when he got asked about the asterisk, the, the shirts, the asterisk, about the asterisk. What's the actual name? It's the uh, Houston asterisk. It's a Barstool Sports yeah. shirt. So Jim Crane walked off the interview. We're not even at spring training yet. If you're getting heckled at Pebble Beach, what do you think it's going to be like in Anaheim? What do you think it's going to be like in Oakland for the first two series? I was watching MLB Now earlier. What do you think it's going to be like? How about this? What do you think it's going to be like for not only the Astros, but the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium? See, I was looking at the schedule for the the Astros play – the Yankees sometime earlier in the season, I believe, at home, but they don't go to New York till the last week of the se- of the season. That's when the Astros go to New York. But the Red Sox and Yankees play how many times here? Nineteen. Yeah, they're going to hear a lot of it, even if you know they, we found out Alex Cora really didn't have a lot to do with it or something like that. It doesn't matter. They're they're going to hear a lot about it because they won that World Series title in 2018. MLB now today, Mike Petrello is on there with Jason Stark, John Smoltz, and your guy Brian Kenny, and Mike said that. He feels this is about 40% of the way done. 
he feels like you know there's more stuff that's going to keep coming out. We're about 40 percent through, you know, the different stories. It's do you think the Wall Street Journal could have you know timed this any better? They released this article like an hour before the uh, exclusive with AJ Hinch was supposed to air on Friday. It's a really good timing because then you look at the the, the Hinch interview. Couldn't have been asked about any of this stuff because he didn't know that it was taped earlier in the week. It's like we never get the complete story. There's also something in in the the Wall Street Journal uh, part two. The emails that were sent back and forth between Koch Wetzler and uh, Jeffrey Luno, the emails were called road notes is what they called it. And then in, this is what one of the emails says. This is on, this is on August 26, 2017. This is what uh, Notch, or Koch Wessler wrote to Luno. The system, our dark arts sign-stealing department, has been less productive in the second half as the league has become aware of our reputation and now most clubs change their signs a dozen times per game. He added that struggling teams like the Toronto Blue Jays and Oakland Athletics seemed to not care as much. That's not, I, I, I can tell you that's not true. I can tell you that's 100% not true. They cared. I can't, I, they cared. Just look at the way they handle, you know, I wish transparency. I wish there was real transparency. Did we ever really get transparency on the baseball this last year? Nope. We didn't get we didn't get transparency. And clearly now, like I told you people are people are going to want to separate themselves. I said this right after they were suspended that they're going to want to separate themselves. And once they get to spring training, there's other guys who are going to start leaking it because they want to, hey, it wasn't me. It was, that, hey, hey, off the record, wasn't me. It was that guy. You can't tell me Jeffrey Lunau did not talk to his brother who works for the Wall Street Journal, and then they break this. Come on. All right, check this out. Joel Sherman from the New York Post has just put out an article. says, MLB plotting playoff expansion with reality TV twist, and I absolutely love it. We need to generate more excitement in this game. And I'm if you're one of the, hey, we don't need to fix anything, you're wrong. 2019 attendance was down for the seventh straight year. We need to get more people back into baseball. And there needs to be changes. And I love this idea. Major League Baseball is weighing a move from five to seven playoff teams in each league beginning in 2020. And there's a catch. The team with the best record in each league would receive a bye to avoid a wild card round. They'd go directly to the division series. So work with me here. Based off last year, the Houston Astros would have had a bye. The other two division winners and the top wild card would each host all three games in a best of three wild card round. So the bottom three wild cards would have no first round home games. The division winner with the second best record in the league. Okay, so remember, top team, they have. The bye. The next team with the next best record would then, this is the reality spin, 
the division winner with the second best record in the league would then get the first pick. Think about that. You now get to pick whoever you want to play from the lower three wild cards. Then the division winner with the next best record would pick the last two wild cards to play each other. So if we use the American League as the example, the Astros with the best record, they would receive the bye. The Yankees with the second best record, they would be able to pick who they wanted, and that would be the last three wild card teams. That would have been Rays, Cleveland, and Boston. So essentially, the team with the best record gets the bye. The team with the second best record and the team with the third best record, and those are the division winners, and then the top wild card teams, you can't take one of those teams. You can only choose from the bottom three wild cards. So the Yankees with the second best record, they would have their choice amongst the Rays, Indians, and Red Sox. So the Yankee, so then the next best record would be the Twins. They would pick from that bottom group, and then the top wild card team would take the team that the Twins or the Yankees didn't choose. I hope that's not confusing. The way I took it is the Twins will take either the Red Sox or Indians. The Yankees will take Red Sox or Indians, and then the Twins will take one of those two, and we'd still have A's race playing in the, as the wild card, as the A's opponent. Because you figure the Yankees did they had a they did very well against the Rays last year. I think they were twelve and five against them or whatever. So you figure, okay, maybe they take them. If not, they're gonna take probably Cleveland. And then that leaves Minnesota with do you wanna play the Rays or do you wanna play Boston? And if you're in Minnesota, you probably wanna play Boston because they had the worst record, and that leaves the A's playing the Rays still. But I like this idea a lot. I completely understand it. The Astros and the Dodgers would have a buy into the division series. Okay, let's then, let's explain it one more time. So if we're going, so the best record was the Astros. The second best division winner was the Yankees. The third best was the Twins. The top wild card was the A's. And then the bottom three is the Rays, Cleveland, and Boston. So in the very first round, the Astros are out. They got a bye. So then the Yankees, the Twins, and the A's are all going to host a three-game wild card series. And every game is going to be in New York, Minnesota, and Oakland. Yankees got the top pick of either the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston. Then the Twins have the top pick of the next two wild card teams. And who's ever left standing at the bottom three would take on the top wild card, which would be the A's. And then all that goes into Division Series, ALCS. To, to World Series. Now, here's the kicker. The plan is to have like a selection show like the NCAA does. And they would do it Sunday night because now we all play on the same day. I mean, we all play on Sunday at the same time. So they would do a selection show at the at, on Sunday night when the regular season ends. And they'd probably have them like somewhere like in New York. And they would have a representative picking teams on live TV. So you could have had Billy Bean and Brian Cashman. You could have had these guys. 
picking who they want to play in the playoffs. That is genius. I feel bad for the wild card team, though. The first wild card, because it's essentially Billy Beyond there going, well, it looks like we're playing the Rays because the other well, two Well, no, teams, you don't know. I mean, if you're If the you're main, going off the standings from last year, the other two teams would already pick, so that it's just, Billy would just be giving an analysis of the team they're playing. The Yankees dominate the Rays. Oh, yeah. So why wouldn't they take the Rays? Okay, so they, say they play the Rays. Then Cleveland, or, the, Ra- the Rays traditionally have been awful at Yankee Stadium. Uh, yeah, well, we, we talked about that last year. Very bad. Like, there could be a team... There could be a team like, I don't know, Cleveland, where you say right out of the gate, I don't want to face Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger. So even though Cleveland's the sixth team here in the wild card, do you want to play them? Oh, not with that pitching staff. No. Right? So you got Boston, who doesn't really, I mean, you got. And the Rays who didn't have a ton of depth, I'm just saying it's not guaranteed that that would happen. You know, I was just looking at it that, you know, the Yankees will take whoever, and then the Twins will take, you know, between Boston, whoever's left between Cleveland and Boston, and then all that's left is the A's, and there's one team left. So the A's don't even get to pick. They just essentially get slotted who's left. Yeah. Well, and that, then, well that, that's about winning your division. You Because know, what this does, this keeps more people in the game. Yeah, you won't have you won't have it cuts down on tanking first of all. Think about that. More teams will be looking to play in the playoffs. There'll be more teams looking to add than subtract. You'd have far more people in cities knowing that your team has a shot. I love the idea. And I know so many people say I don't want change. I don't want change. Change is good. Baseball needs change. I love this idea. I really, really love this idea. And for context, we'd have if we go through the National League, you'd have the Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals as the division winners, and then you'd have the Nationals and Brewers as the top two wild cards, and then you would add Arizona and it looked, um, the Mets in Arizona with the other two teams added, which, I mean, that's great for baseball because you got both New York teams in the playoffs. you got Arizona, who's an up-and-coming team in there. In the National League. And then you I, have w- the- I wish we could go, and obviously this has to be um, part of the collective bargaining agreement. So the CBA ends after the 2021 season. You negotiate this with, see, this is one of the reasons why. Where are we? We're going to put Garvey off for a second. Coming up next, you want to know why Major League Baseball is trying to play nice with the Players Union? We'll tell you next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Oh, this excites me. So much I'm putting it out there on Twitter. I mean, this is such a creative idea to get people's interest, to get to the ballparks, to get to the postseason. But you got to have the players. And you got to have the players union. 
And the players' union has not been happy. They weren't happy about how Mookie Betts went down. They're not happy with a lot of stuff. But the olive branch has been put out there. The olive branch by saying, hey, listen, these Houston Astros were cheating, and it was player-driven, and we, we could suspend these guys. And the, and the players' union would have to fight it. But what kind of fight would the players' union have? Your guys are proven cheaters. You're going to defend cheaters? Players' union, you're going to look bad. But I'm going to throw you an olive branch. I'm not going to suspend any of your guys. I'm going to have your guys. We're going to talk to them. I want honesty. And they get, they, they get off free. They get immunity. They're good. So the players union go, hey, we appreciate that. So that's why in Major League Baseball's report, they only they got Lunau, Hinch, Beltron, and Cora. That's it. Players union's okay with that. Beltron's not a player anymore. And they'll probably do the same thing with the Boston Red Sox. And then you know what? I'm going to give you another olive branch for the CBA. I'm going to have a Universal DH. They like that. That's more jobs. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to expand the roster. Hey, players you know likes that. That's more jobs. They like that. So, Major League Baseball wants to expand to 32 teams. Players Union's going to like that. It's all going to be in the negotiations and they need the players union to 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 go along with this. And now if I think if you bring more playoff teams involved, why wouldn't the why wouldn't the players union like it? That's more money for the players. When the players get in the playoffs, there's more shares, more money. Major League Baseball wants to make changes. They need the players union to help them make those changes. And at some point, the players' union is not going to have a leg to stand on because too many of its guys are getting paid. All the big boys are getting paid. If you're going to tell me you're you're not happy that the 33-year-old free agent is going to get paid, uh, I got all the guys in their 20s on the phone right now going, we don't care. And another olive branch may be, hey, we need to change the system of – it's less time to free agency. So guys are getting paid earlier. Players need to get a piece of the pie. That's a reality. This is a business. We're not selling cars. Or as Billy Bean once said, we're not selling jeans. The players are the product. They need to get paid. You want to pay them earlier? Because that's what baseball has shown us. I want to pay them in their 20s when they're in their prime or they're getting into their prime. Okay then we got to get the free agency earlier so guys are getting paid earlier. If you don't want to pay guys when they're in their 30s, then we got to get free. can all be negotiated. And that's why Joel Sherman's putting out there, this will happen in 2020 because the CBA ends in 2021. And I just think from a business standpoint, I'm looking at everything baseball is doing for the most part is adding more jobs. How can the players' union not like that? 
more big league baseball players, more big league guys getting more money. Can you really think of anything that they have proposed, Commander, that the players' union wouldn't like? Does a players' union really care about electronic strike zone? No, I think that – well, that actually helps the game. So, that actually helps hitters. Like – other than old old free agents not getting paid. Not old, but guys in their 30s. Oh, Josh Donaldson got paid, so. Is he an outlier? Uh, right now, yeah, pretty much. But, uh, I mean, you just had Garrett Cole's going to be making all. You got, you got guy. So many players have long-term deals right now. So many guys are making money. How could there possibly be a work stoppage? I just, I, I just don't see it. And everything that I see that baseball wants to do is adding more jobs. So how could the players' union not be for it? Uh, quickly, Joel Sherman got back to me. He says he can't do it today with us. So I'll effort him for maybe Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing out there that the players, you know, for them to say, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, more chances for teams to get into the playoffs. I think this is also good for the sport of baseball because it cuts down on the word tanking that people don't like to talk about. If there's seven playoff spots available, that means that half of the league almost has a chance to – or no, about half of the league has a chance to qualify for the playoffs. That's what it is in the NFL. That's what it is in, in the NBA. And that's what it is in hockey. Half the teams make a ch- have a chance to make it. I love the idea. I love the idea of getting to choose your playoff opponent. Think about that. I want to play you in the first round. Boy, the chip on the shoulders of the bottom three. If you're just joining us, baseball is proposing, So, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, who you also see a lot on MLB Network, seven teams from each league will make the playoffs. The team with the best record, for example, last year the Astros, they get a first-round bye. The next six teams, they go in order of best record. So the number two team is the team that has the best record as a division winner. The number three team is the team that had the best rec- third best record as a division winner. Then you have four wild cards. You got the top wild card spot, and that leaves you with the bottom three. And those bottom three are going to be picked by the top three. Not counting the teams, not counting the team that was the top record. Remember, the top record team gets the first round by. That's going to give you so much incentive. Who wants to be in a best of three wild card game? So the Astros would add a bye. The Yankees, then being the second best record for a division winner, would have the opportunity to pick either the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston. Then. The next team is the Twins. They get their pick, and whoever they pick, that leaves the one of the bottom third wildcard teams. They play the top wildcard team. So the A's would end up either playing the Rays, Cleveland, or Boston, depending on how the draft works. And I'm telling you, those, those bottom teams would be coming in with a huge chip on their shoulder. So there'd be three games, a best of three wild card, and the bottom three wild card teams, they got to play every game on the road. I love it. I mean, this is, it brings reality TV. It brings more people 
into the game. I just think this is a home run. This is something that this is something that you can sell more than the three batter minimum. Like if you think of all the different things that they're trying to change in baseball, this is something this is something I think you could get a lot of people a lot of people to get on board on this. I think there's no question. And in this interview it talks about Fox's new deal with Major League Baseball exclusive with the World Series, two division series and the League Championship Series. This runs through 2028. And MLB their deal with ESPN and Turner, that runs through 2021. So you could have, get this, you could have powerhouses like YouTube and Amazon fighting over new rights for Major League Baseball. So you can talk about how the attendance is down, but, man, the sport is getting more cash rich by the minute. You know how much money Amazon or YouTube, I mean, the Amazon, my God, YouTube, what they could pay? Unreal. Absolutely unreal. At Townsend Radio, I I, want to see, I want to see how people feel about this. I wish we could take calls on this. I think I, I I see it as a home run. Especially like think about how competitive the National League is gonna be this year. You literally have teams in the in the east, the central, and the west. Like this gives Arizona when 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 Arizona it looks like has no shot at the division. All right. But I'm not dead in the water. I can still add. I can still try. Because you get me in that wild card game, that's the reason why I picked. that. You know, you get me in that wild card series, that's the reason why I, 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 I paid Massim Bumgarner all that money. To have a series like this, to have a guy lead me off in a series. I think it's great. Like I said, like for baseball, having the having – you're having the top markets essentially make it. If you're looking off, basing off of 2019 standings, you have both Mets, you have both uh, New York teams in there. You have Boston, Houston, L.A. You know who says this year that this gives it? I ch- love how you put out a, a, an A's cast tweet to undermine my tweet. No, I just went out anyway. I was I put, started typing before you even said you put it out. Either way, we, now we have two different places on Twitter for oh, people to look react. At you, look, at, look at you trying to undermine my tweet. Hey, you have more followers than our A's cast account does anyway by about – Almost 10 times as many followers. I mean, you're popular. But anyway, back to the point. I think it's great for teams, and you're right about the National League. There's going to be so many comp- – there's going to be one team in the National League that's not competitive this year. Do you know who it is? Well, it's two if you count the Marlins. I thought that was just a given. The Pirates aren't going to be very good this year. So we can count those two teams out. Well, I mean, the Rockies may not be very good this year. They're always they, – that's the thing with them. They're such a – there could be one year where you're like, oh, I don't have a lot of expectations to go out and win 90 games. Then this year, like, oh, they're not going to be good. They'll probably, you know, when the year they're, like last year when they won 71, it's like they could challenge the Dodgers for the division. They won 71 games. By the way, uh, your, your Padres. Uh, that's, uh, that's your brother's team. Until they win, I- I'm, not, I'm not believing it. You're not a fan of the Emilio Pagan trade? 
fine. Emilio Pagan strengthens your bullpen. But, I mean, I, I I look at the Rockies. I look at the Padres. I look at the Pirates. I, but they've got to prove. They've got to prove. They and the, Mar- prove and they the Marlins. But everyone, the Marlins are And the Marlins are going to be bad. But they got to prove they can win games. Out of all those teams, the Marlins is like okay. The Padres made a few moves. The Marlins are actually actually brought in several guys this off season. The Pirates and Rockies haven't well brought in anyone, so they're not really they're showing well. We're not ready. the Pirates payroll is like forty three million dollars or something like that right now, and this is a sign for you know that they're going to try to cut back on the tanking because we saw how many teams in the American League that were tanking essentially last year. The White Sox are going to be much better this year. You have. The Royals, who probably are going to be a little bit better, marginally better, with Mike Matheny as their new manager. Uh, the Mariners probably aren't going to be much better. I mean, Jerry DePoto will probably trade away. The, the rest, the remaining, Mitch Hanniger is probably going to be gone by the All Star break or trade deadline. So this actually helps us having seven teams in because you get, like I said, you get half of the league vying for a chance to make the playoffs, and this also gives a chance for teams that are like, oh, you know, coming up to the trade, it could make the trade deadline more exciting too because there's so many guys, but also could hurt it because how many guys are going to be available at the deadline? Maybe move up the trading deadline. I mean, the NBA did that. The NBA moved their trading deadline before the All-Star break. The NBA trade deadline was last week, and then the All-Star break is this weekend. So maybe move it up to, like, the you know beginning of July. And that, help, that helps out with, you know, teams looking for to add talent, and, you know, you can take from the bottom feeding teams that might not make it. And you have teams in limbo like the Giants last year who are looking like, oh, we, we're going to try to make a run, one more run for Bochi. And then, you know, they end up finishing 77 and 85, but – and not trading Bumgarner, which hurt them, but they were in limbo. They didn't know what they wanted to do. That This might actually help more teams because there's more playoff spots available. Do you want to get radical? You want to get crazy? If you want to get crazy, this gets back to my realignment. I've talked about realignment for a long time now. There is no reason why even though it's going to be great now. There's no reason why the A's and the Angels and the Mariners are in a division with two teams in Texas. Makes no sense. The geography makes no sense. Just saying. I mean... If you got to get on a flight that takes you over three hours, you should not be in the same division. Shouldn't. I mean, the teams in the South, I mean, you should be, let's face it, Kansas City should be playing against the Texas teams, right? The Rockies should be playing against the Texas teams. Like, why are the Rockies in the West? doesn't make sense. You can make it more geographical. I mean, that, I mean, just, like, how are the two L.A. teams not in the same division? How are the two teams in the Bay Area not in the same division? You don't think it would be more exciting on the A's schedule to have Giants and Dodgers than Astros and Rangers? I mean, come on. Seriously, you know how far a flight is from Seattle to Texas? It's probably like six hours. And you're in the same division as a team, you got to fly six hours to play them? 
And that's a disadvantage for the teams in the West because they travel more than everybody else. Let's get crazy. Let's start changing this game. I have no problem with that. Nick Swisher said on Fox Sports Radio today, they should strip the Astros of their title. He says no one likes a liar and no one likes a cheater, and they are both. <laughs> Do we have Bob Melvin? Bob, I mean, this is the thing. Everybody's got to talk about it. This is what these guys have caused. There's somebody out there. I can't remember the player's name. Somebody out there suing the Astros because he got roughed up by him. Mike Bolsinger, former pitcher for the Dodgers, Blue Jays. He got roughed up as a Blue Jay in 2017. And he's suing him for what, $31 million? Yeah, the damage is up to $31 million. It's pretty crazy, but, you know, it's – he went to civil court and filed the, you know, filed it. So here's the problem for Bob Melvin. As Bob Melvin and David Forrest have told the San Francisco Chronicle that they knew about it, they complained about it. I, I knew that already. I just couldn't come out blatantly and say it when I knew it. But AJ Hinch and Bob Bob Melvin know each other well. And AJ Hinch didn't have the the stones to stop it. He didn't like it. But I guess he was afraid that Carlos Beltran and the clubhouse would revolt on him. He was powerless, as the athletic put. Powerless. And there was a point. Nah, maybe I shouldn't say this. All right, let's hear from uh, Bob Melvin. He's being asked about the Astros. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're at this point right now. And obviously Mike had a lot to do with that. So, you know, the, the game's better for it from this point going forward. So I think it's all about just kind of moving past right now and, and you know, getting through a lot of the issues that, that you saw and, and, you know, that's it's supposed to be equal playing field and it wasn't. So I think MLB's done the right thing to move forward and, and you know, handle it how they've handled it. And, I you know, hopefully at some point in time we're not a- answering a bunch of questions about that, I understand. Um, but I don't think anybody was too happy about you know, a lot of the things that you're seeing come out, and uh, you know, at some point in time, we have to move past it. How did you feel personally, considering you guys are the ones that finished second to that the last two years? Yeah, nobody's happy about it. I mean, I, you know, whether it's an individual, whether it's a team, uh, you know, whether it's the Yankees that they were playing in the postseason, whether it was us and you know, other teams in our division. I think everybody uh, kind of was fed up with it. So, you know, we move forward, and you know, hopefully, it's taken care of. How do you think Mike will be received this year? I think, as you're seeing right now, and, and more things coming out, um, I think he'll be looked up upon as, as a guy that you know got us to this point, and uh, it was going to take that. I think to um, you know MLB does a great job of monitoring these things, but it's very difficult. The team calls in and complains about something. You know they can only do so much. I think it, it, it took a player and a player that was on that team to, to kind of you know, put it over the top, and, you know, and I think MLB's handling it really well right now. I mean, what do you say? Yeah, that's the thing that that you you don't want to make national news. That's the thing. It's like, I'm sure Bob has a much different opinion of that than what he just told you. But the minute you, you go after him, now it's it's everywhere. It's going to be all over Twitter. It'll go viral, and then they're going to have the soundbite. 
You know, you just don't want to be dealing with that. I mean, obviously, he said, hey, listen, a lot of people were fed up with it. They knew. They knew it was going on. And, I, you know, the way you read The Athletic and Carlos Beltran and, you know, he's the leader of it and everybody was afraid of it. I mean, come on. They're making Carlos Beltran out to be like he was Babe Ruth. Like he's Barry Bonds. You're trying to tell me that nobody in that club, they were all afraid. What, what's he going to do to you? He's going to beat you up? What's who's, Carlos Beltran, I... I mean, I think he's a. I think he was a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know how it'll work out now for him. But I don't care if you're a young player. What they're going to force force you to do it? How are they going to force you to do it? What are you going to do to me? I mean, seriously, you guys are a bunch of. How do I want to phrase this? I need to be careful about this. I mean, your integrity is completely being challenged, and no one could stand up to Carlos Beltran? Really? How big is Carlos Beltran? One thing about Carlos Beltran, a lot of people don't know, he made a lot of money. He made over well over $200 million. And he could walk down the street and you wouldn't even know who he is. 6'1", that's what it says on baseball. I six one two fifteen. That's a decent sized guy. That's not a monster. I mean, everybody in this, I mean, the the six sources in the athletic, everybody was so afraid of Carlos Beltron. I guess you could kind of see that as the manager, but if that's who you are as a manager, I don't want you as my manager. You know, that's where AJ Hinch is probably just trying to keep a job. Because he knows that the front office is totally down for it. Even though Jeffrey Lunau, the emails were too long. I can't read that long of emails. I don't have that kind of time. Now, the front office, everybody knew. Everybody knew. Everybody in baseball knew. Go read the Washington Post. See, this is what, once again, I'm not right, right a lot, but I've been right on this one, that, more stuff was going to come out. The leaks as six players talked about it to the athletic. And now they're starting to name the names. We were all afraid of Carlos Beltran. It's not our fault. Would they call him the king? They're that they have these nicknames it's, for it, him. El Jefe meaning the boss, but they also the email that the Wall Street Journal got uh regarded Carlos Beltran as the godfather. The Godfather. Oh, Alex Bregman was scared. Carlos Correa was scared. Jose Altuve was scared. And now it's fishier than ever. You know the whole. Someone put that. This you know, you want to know where it's gone? Is there's a picture of Jose Altuve out on Twitter right now? A video of him dancing and pulling his shirt up and and doing all that and dancing and showing his abs, but. When he doesn't want his jersey ripped off and the rumors are out there that you're, they're using buzzers, he said, my wife, my wife doesn't like it. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Wait, who, I, who did the, the something fell off the player 
Was it Marwin Gonzalez where something fell off of him? They have it on video, and he picks it up and puts it in his back pocket, and people think it was like a, a thumb buzzer. Uh, I don't know if it was Marwin. He did apologize, though. Oh, he, well, he, he said sorry and then had no info. You know, it's funny. We get sorry, and then we get no information on it. I went back and looked. Remember that website, signsillingscandal.com? Out of 776 total pitches that year, Marwin Gonzalez had there was 147 bangs, which came out to 19%. That year, Marwin Gonzalez hit 303 with 23 homers and drove in 90 runs, and he finished in the top 20 of the MVP. Uh, he hasn't broke 20 home runs since. Well, then, or hit that high. And we found out they're doing it on the road. So stop looking at the splits. Stop looking at the splits. Because they were doing it on the road. They are doing it everywhere. What was that? See, I take so many pictures of, gra- of graphics on MLB Network. Remember the one I sent out and people got all mad? Oh, yeah, here it is. So, the splits in 2017 in the playoffs for Bregman. He hit 273 at home. He hit 154 on the road. Altuve hit 472 at home, hit 143 on the road. But during the the season in his MVP year, he hit 311 at home and 381 on the road. So it's a complete reverse. Well, that's the thing. We know at some point they were using it on the road. We just don't know when. And that's why... When you're not transparent, it leads for more questions. It's like the baseball. Does anybody feel good about what was said about the baseball? I can't remember which Dodger it was, but this Dodger cranked one into right center. And as soon as he hit it, he started pimping it. And the outfielder caught it at the wall. And that's what I was thinking, well... If it was a if it was a ball that they used during the regular season, that's why he thought it was out because that ball's during the regular season, that ball would have been out if you believe the conspiracy theory that they use different baseballs. When you're not transparent, you leave all these questions out there. You you allow us conspiracy theorists to dream up all these different things that possibly could have been going on. AJ Hinch was asked A.J. Hinch was asked about the buzzers, and he didn't want to answer the question. Major League Baseball did the investigation. No, no, I'm asking you a yes or no question. Did you and your ball club use buzzers, stuff, something stuck to players? that you? Because, you know, at some point they can't keep banging trash cans. It just becomes too obvious. So the technology keeps you there. They're looking for new ways. You know, because at first, at first it came out that they only doing it in 2017. What a crock. There's no way you win a World Series doing this and stop the next year. They didn't. They were using it in 2018, but teams caught on. And once, once teams caught on, I would say this. I would say the information became less reliable. So then you stop doing it. I guarantee you that's what happened. 
Because once teams start changing all their signs, like like in the World Series, multiple people tip the Nationals off, including Alex Cora of all people, that what Houston's doing. So they had all they had all kinds of signs going on. The Nationals did well. If they got that going on, you're a hitter. You go okay. I don't want signs anymore because you don't you don't know if it's perfected or not. You know it is Black History Month, and we've been honoring great African American baseball players. I learned something today that blew my mind. Ricky Henderson is going to go into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. What blew my mind is, how is he not in? He went into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame like how many years He's ago? He's in the 11 Baseball years ago? Hall of Fame. He's not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? He's joining, I think, Bryant Young. and uh, There's a few other people and Bruce Bochy so far, the people going in. Neither of those guys are Bay Area guys. Bochy just stopped not so- managing last year, and he's already going in. Ricky went into the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. How, like that, that, that just blew my mind. He's actually a Bay Area, grew up in Oakland. He's a baseball Hall of Famer, and he's not in the Bay Area sport. That's just I, – I was like, are you sure about that? Like, how was he not in there? It was crazy when, you know, I saw I saw not about saying it. Bryant, Bryant Young was a great player. Bruce Bochy's a great manager. Nothing against them. I'm just saying, how is a homegrown baseball Hall of Famer not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? As you said, he went into the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. Who's running Bayshoff? It's a great question. I mean, we used, we used to know whenever we worked at the old station because we used to do Bayshoff auctions live on the air, but not anymore. He's uh, a two-time World Series champion, a 10-time All-Star, a Rawlings Gold Glove winner. He's the all-time leader in stolen bases, 1,406. He's the all-time leader in runs. Think about that. 2,295. He's 26th in hits, 3,055. 4th in games played, 3,081. Only Rose, Yaz, and the great Hank Aaron played more. And everybody will remember this steal. It was incredible. He is having come from behind a 1-0 deficit. Ricky goes, a pitch ticket. He's going to have it. He does. Ricky Henderson... No contest, steals third base, jerks the bag from its moorings and holds it aloft, representing number 939. Ricky pounds it with his left fist, hands it to equipment manager Frank Sinchek, who gives him a big hug as Ricky's mom. Again, talking about the uh, game <laughs> being forgotten. <laughs> and Lou Brock, probably the happiest guy on the field right now. He can finally make his speech, pass over the record to Ricky, and go about his business. That's legends right there. Ford C. Frick Award winners. Lon Simmons and the great Bill King. And the last guy, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. That's unbelievable. 939 by year 1991. You'll never see someone like that again. The game has changed. 
No one's going to give somebody a green light like that again. What an amazing player. Ricky Henderson. I don't know who the best player is all time. I don't. But if you're going to have a conversation about it, he's in the conversation. Babe Ruth is in the conversation. Ted Williams in the conversation. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. If you allow Superberry in the conversation, Superberry's numbers, he's in the conversation. There's Hall of Famers, and then there's that next-level Hall of Famers. And Ricky is in that next level. Like, who didn't vote for Ricky Henderson? Probably the same person that vote for Derek Jeter. Like, you see Ricky Henderson on your ballot. The guy scored the most runs. In the, the name of the game is scoring more runs than your opponent. If you score more runs than your opponent, you win the game. And he scored more runs than anybody. Guy would absolutely take over playoff series. Just take him over. He was a winner. Bradford Doolittle joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Bradford, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. And I, and I was just telling the story about if we're wondering how the Astros are going to get treated, um, I'll give you an idea. I was down at Pebble Beach this weekend at the AT&T where Justin Verlander and Jim Crane were both playing in it. And uh, I only saw Verlander for two holes. And on both the holes, people are yelling cheater at him. So if you're getting heckled at a golf tournament, can you imagine what's going to be like when you get to the regular season? Well, if, uh, if baseball ever felt like it needed a, a, a baseball version of the Oakland Raiders, I think they have finally found it. Yeah, that, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, when I think about what came out in the Wall Street Journal, I don't know if you got to read it. I don't know if you know about the uh, Jeffrey Leno's brother is actually works for the Wall Street Journal. What did you think about that, that article and, and all of its contents? Well, it just it raises more questions, you know, just when you think you're to the point that we're we're ready to move forward and, and get on with the 2020 season. Um, now it suddenly seems like uh, even after all of the investigating that MLB did, that there are perhaps more layers to this. And um, that's disappointing, you know, but uh, I don't know if MLB is going to look into that. Um, I haven't seen that they've addressed it publicly, uh, but, you know, right now the, the commissioner's report stands that it was a player driven and player executed scheme. Um, this report certainly makes it seems like it went a little deeper than that. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, the story just seems to evolve like every few days. Yeah. And I, right before you came on, I was talking about transparency and I just, I, I don't feel like we're getting that with Houston. I doubt we're going to get it with Boston. And I don't think we've gotten it with the baseball from last year, whether it's the baseball that was used in season versus the baseball used in the postseason. I just don't think there's been a lot of transparency for the fans. Yeah. I mean, I miss some of this, like, especially with the baseball. I mean, I think that's just, kind of a, a mystery to the the officials at baseball themselves. You know, I don't think they really understood why the ball was behaving differently. And I don't think they understood why it, you know, why it behaved one way during the regular season and then seemed to uh, play differently when we got to October. So, you know, it, it, they, they tried to be 
transparent with the report they released on the Astros. They, they were very detailed in it and, and talked about everything that they went through. And so that, I thought, was a step in the right direction because they don't have a great track record of being transparent on these things. But then when you get a report like what came out in the Wall Street Journal, it does raise questions that, you know, is, is there, are there things that they failed to look at? Or are there things that they maybe got um, a glimpse of and, and, and didn't, you know, make that public? So, you know, like I said, it's a story that keeps evolving. And, and I think uh, there's going to be more news breaking in this as we go along. What do you think happens with the Boston Red Sox? Do you think they get a stiffer penalty than the Astros because they'll be second second time offenders? Uh, well, I, I think the key figure in this is probably going to be Alex Cora because of his involvement over two different teams in this kind of activity. Um, you know, it really depends on the nature of what they find. I think Alex Cora is going to end up getting hit even harder than uh, A.J. Hinch did in terms of not only being suspended for this coming season, but maybe for uh, even longer than that. I don't think he'll get kicked out of baseball, but, um, you know, I think the hammer is going to come down on him pretty hard. Uh, the commissioner said last week that no, no players on the Red Sox are going to be penalized with whatever findings they come up with. So, um, you know, I think we'll see something similar. Maybe uh, the, the, the Red Sox will be hit even harder with, in terms of a drastic penalty or a reduction of their international um, spending pool. Um, I'm sure they'll get fined the, the maximum $5 million that the commissioner can levy against the franchise. Um, but I would think it would just end up looking very similar to what happened to the Astros, assuming that, you know, the, the investigation confirms what has been rumored about them. Bradford Doolittle from ESPN joins us here on A's Cast Live. And uh, speaking of A.J. Hinch, she did the interview with Tom Verducci on MLB Network. What did you think of that interview? Well, I thought uh, I thought A.J. did what he needs to be doing to sort of move things forward and heal the wounds. Um, and, you know, that was sort of undermined by the fact that that Wall Street Journal report came out just literally minutes before uh, that telecast went national. I'm sure that was no coincidence. Um, but, you know, he accepted responsibility. No matter how Verducci tried to to uh, introduce different tangents to the conversation, um, AJ kept bringing it back on himself that no matter what happened, he was the manager. It happened on him, his watch. He feels responsible. He regrets that he didn't do anything about it. It's still hard really for me to understand why if, if he hated what was happening so much that he was actually going after equipment that he didn't hold a club meeting and say, Hey, knock this stuff off right now. We're not going to have it. This is not what we're going to be about. But, um, you know, I think he, he did, he doing what he needs to do in terms of accepting responsibility. And, you know, now he's going to have a year off to, uh, to learn his lessons. Yeah, now we're hearing the pitchers, the former Astros apologize, which I don't think they have to apologize. Uh, you know, I, I, Dallas Keuchel or Charlie Morton, I don't want to hear from them. I don't care what they really have. I mean, I, this is about the Astros hitters, and they've really gone dark. 
and the and the longer they they don't come out and say anything, the more the information comes out, the worse and worse it gets. We're hearing this started in 2016. This was being implemented through parts of 2018. That it was happening not only at home, but it was happening on the road. Do you think that? Do you think the Astro the Astros hitters are not doing themselves any justice by by going dark and not owning any of this? I I do think it's uh, it's just going to make things worse for themselves as we go forward. I mean, they, they need to not only uh, come out and apologize in you know sort of an obligatory way that sometimes you see in in a at the end of a scandal, but in a very honest and contrite way. Um, part of what could be going on is the commissioner did not specify which players were and were not involved or if they all were involved or, you know, and if one guy that's, I'm, I'm just using this as a hypothetical example, but say Alex Bregman comes out and say, I'm really sorry for all this that happened. Then people are going to think that he was a ringleader or, or, you know, participated in this more heavily than anybody else, which we don't know. So that could be playing into it, the fact that the commissioner didn't specify which players were involved, and maybe that's making some of them hesitant to, to speak up. But they do need to come up and make, whether it's as a group or as individuals, make an apology, express some remorse, and um, only then can we start to move forward. It's not like people are going to let them off the hook at that point. Um, but it's a stubborn group, and I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, what's going to happen. But their owner said they were going to apologize. When the guy signing the paycheck says you're going to apologize, I have to believe that it's going to come at some point. You had a fun article earlier this year, and the title was Way Too Early 2020 MLB Starting Lineup Rankings. Number one, you had Houston. Number two, you had Dodgers. But the Dodgers lineup has just has just changed a little bit with Mookie Betts. Uh uh, would that change? Would you flip now the Dodgers and the Astros now that Mookie will be playing right field for the Dodgers? Yeah, I actually just came up with an update, not on the whole lineup rankings, but just uh, the Dodgers have jumped over Houston for the top lineup of the majors, and I have a, a new piece out today that goes into the reasons for that. You know, you take one of the best lineups in baseball that if they didn't really have any real weaknesses, but they weren't as good you know, in terms of batting average and strikeout percentage and team speed as they were in, you know, in total power and, and, you know, walks and that kind of thing. Those are all the things that Mookie Betts is great at. So you take one of the best lineups in the majors, you add one of the best players in the majors, you know, it's, he's one of the few people that they could acquire and actually get better, but they've done that. And they do have, in my opinion, the best lineup in the major leagues now. For our Oakland A's, you rank the A's sixth, and really the only question in the lineup is who is going to be at second base for the A's. And, you know, that's a great problem to have going into spring training. You're only worried about second base. Talk about what you see with the athletics lineup. There's a lot of firepower there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tremendous amount of firepower. There's a lot of guys that either are right in their prime or just entering their prime, so you feel real confident in their track records. Um, you know, they have some some genuine stars in, in Olsen and Chapman and Simeon, and they have power up and down the lineup. I mean, they, they have seven guys at least that can project to hit 20 or more homers, several guys with 30. If Chris Davis bounces back, they could have two or three guys with 40. 
And if they find it, you know, an everyday answer at second base, it's a lineup where you 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 can't take any at bats off. You're gonna have to concern yourself with the long ball with no matter who's coming up to the plate. And it's a very disciplined team. Strikeout rate's a little high, but you know that's kind of the A's. You know that's the A's approach. You know, uh, uh, take and rake, and um, they do it extremely well. So I think it's it's going to be one of the the most potent offensive units in the league, and that's before you even get in to talking about how good this group is defensively. And then I think about the Angels, who uh, you have fourth on the list. I, I'm sorry, I haven't seen the new list. I'm going out the old one, but you got them at four, and I just wonder. Do you really think that the deal between the Dodgers and the Angels is over, or do you think Jock Peterson will be in that Angels lineup? And if he is in that Angels lineup, how does that change for you, the Angels? Well, um, right now I don't have Jock Peterson in in the numbers, so that number four ranking is is prior to that trade, and it, it really wouldn't have changed much if they had gotten him. Um, I haven't heard anything to – to indicate that that's going to be revived, the the job going from the Dodgers to the Angels, it creates an awful playing time crunch for for Peterson with the Dodgers, and they also you know, right now at, when the 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 deals uh, with Minnesota and Boston go official, the Dodgers are going to have 42 guys on their 40 man roster, so something's going to have to happen. They do have some guys lower on the pecking order that they can that they can cut, but. Uh, um, you know, for the Angels, I almost think it's a mixed blessing if uh, they end up not getting Peterson. And it's only because they have one of the top two or three prospects in baseball, an outfielder, Joe Adele. He doesn't have any major league experience as yet. He's extremely toolsy, and maybe they want to take it uh, slow with him and not rush him along. But I really like the idea because we've seen guys um, just sort of burst onto the the scene the last few years, you know, they come into the major leagues and they're just, they're ready to jump right into stardom. Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna and guys like that. Adele has that kind of talent. Now, whether he's ready to make the same kind of leap, you know, it's, it's hard to say. If you acquire Peterson, you're almost blocking Adele's opportunity. And I kind of like the idea of them using stopgap players at an outfield spot. And if Adele's ready um, later on this season, they can plug him right in. And that gives the team even more upside than they already have. Good stuff, Bradford. We appreciate it. We'll be calling you soon. And uh, baseball is right around the corner. Uh, I am, I'm glad to hear it. I'm gl- I'll be glad when we can just talk about baseball again. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Thanks so much. Anytime, guys. Our next guest here on A's Cast Live holds the National League record for most consecutive played games. He's a 10-time All-Star, a World Series champion, a National League MVP, four-time Gold Glover, and one of the great guys in our game. Steve Garvey joins us. Steve, thank you for coming on the program again. Absolutely. It's great to be with you. You know, when I think of great teams and some of the great teams you're on, you guys had a lot of stars, and it's Los Angeles, and you can look at the Lakers. You can look at the Dodgers. It's a town driven by stars. How big was it for Dodger Blue to get Mookie Betts? Oh, I think, you know, when you're owned by a hedge fund and, you know, you've had great success over the last you know, half a dozen years except for, you know, winning it all. Uh, and they, you know, consistently with – Guggenheim's uh, ownership improved all areas of, of the franchise and uh, the ability to spend a few dollars and cents and adding a quality player here and there. And 
everybody was concerned. Well, you know, they, they, uh, they're trying to stay under the threshold again, and maybe they feel comfortable with the talent they have. And, but I think that I always thought that they were looking for that one piece that they thought that could put them over the top. And, and this is it, you know, and it had a few hiccups the last week or so, but I always thought the deal was going to go through and they've got a gold glove outfield and a uh, pretty solid team and depth in starting. And, you know, the bullpen's always going to be, nobody's ever going to be completely satisfied with their bullpen. But I think all in all going into spring training, of course, beginning of 2020 they're in uh they're in good shape they're well positioned for the long season but it's a, a tale of two seasons you know um it's the first 162 and then it's october so um you know it should be very exciting throughout baseball this year not be riff of a few controversies here and there but <laughs> maybe it puts us on the front page for a change <laughs> hey, hey hey steve these controversies you know not only the big money spent in free agency but these controversies really gave us something to talk about this off season you know it's a battle for uh, for airtime nowadays you know there's so much media out there and you know we've been squeezed by you know, basketball and, and now the emergence of more airtime and hockey and the NFL, everybody's trying to push the other guy off, like I said before, the, the pages of the sports and once in a while the front page. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to be free of the potential of having a controversy. And uh, in our case, you never want it to be the depth of cheating. But uh, on the other hand, there's always a reevaluation that comes with uh, – uh, with something like this, you know, and all sports have their challenges. Now it's how you address it and how you move on and learn from it. And I think baseball will do that. You know, a lot of talk about the Houston Astros and the cheating. A.J. Hinch talked on Friday. This big article that's just come out in the Wall Street Journal, uh, more in-depth that we learn about it. And, you know, Steve, this past weekend I was down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T and Justin Verlander was playing there. The owner, Jim Crane, was playing. And I can tell you, you could hear people from the gallery yelling at Justin Verlander, you cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like at a ballpark? Oh, Lord. You know, I mean, you know, and I've done some interviews and I've, I've mentioned, you know, I don't want to deal with the minutia. Uh, I don't really know the inner workings, but I do know. The thing that I'm most disappointed in is the, the lack of respect for our national pastime, the integrity of the game, and that the, you know, and now the Red Sox has mentioned that, who knows where that'll go, but that the top teams think that they, that they can get away with something, you know, and, uh, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, you know, you can always see the guy that's struggling and he's, he's trying to find a way to do it and you know, cut the corner here or there. He tries to do this or that. But these are the top teams uh, with an awful lot of money that don't have to do that. It goes back to the steroid era. You know, you look at the guys that were the premier guys during this. Have to do it. Uh, whether it was ego or whether it was uh, vanity or, you know, pick any one of the adjectives that, that serves the individual you're thinking about. There wasn't a need to do it. You know, and it's, this wonderful national pastime, and nobody can say that, but, uh, doesn't need or shouldn't tolerate anybody who thinks they're above the game. And, and when you're above the game, you're, you know, you, you're speaking, you're above the rest of America also. You know, Steve, getting back to the Dodgers and Mookie Betts, you know, it's so rare 
that you see a big market team, a big money team, trade away arguably the second best player in the game. I know the Dodgers are going to take on David Price. If he's healthy, he can still give you innings. They reworked the deal, but that's just a rarity to get a guy of Mookie Betts's caliber at that age, too, still really in right in the middle of his prime. Well, you know, I call it a lease to own. You got one year, and uh, I'm quite sure there'll be negotiations throughout the year, but there is a tendency by the premier handful of players uh, and the agents to, to take it on the open market, you know, a free market, God bless America, <laughs> supply and demand, uh, and be able to go out there and see who really wants to step up. Start with Bryce Harper and Machado, and of course Mike Trout stayed with the Angels, but uh, I'm quite sure that the Dodgers will do everything they, they can to, to make this a honeymoon that uh, could potentially turn into a, to a long marriage. You know, recently on this show, we started talking about greatest infields of all time. And the Yankees came up from 09 when you look at the star power of Teixeira, Cano, Jeter, A-Rod. And then I, I, I had to bring up your infield. I mean, when you think of Ron Say, you think of Russell, you think of Davey, you think of yourself. What an incredible infield you guys had. And one of the reasons why not only are you guys great athletes, but you stayed together for years. Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you, you can pick you can pick infields that may have done it for a couple of years, but when you look at eight and a half years together and the number of you know championships and World Series we went to and all star games combined by the players and, and longevity and, and uh and durability and consistency. It's the greatest infield in history, and um, and you can and again you can pick the Oreo infield back when it was uh, Belanger and Boo Powell and Robinson and a number of guys. But you know they they didn't play together for eight and a half years, and you know we were the foundation of uh, what I call the golden era in Dodger baseball in L.A. at least, and that was from '73 to '83. So uh, you know I mean when you start talking talk about great infields, you you can talk about short term, but in terms of long term longevity, consistency, durability, and success, I mean, our infield was was the best of all time. Steve, we always appreciate your time. We know you got an event. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon here in 2020. Don't forget me now. Let's do it early in the season. I can't forget you, Steve. <laughs> Steve, Steve I, I still have the photo. Do you remember they put out the photo that you signed when you hit that big home run off Lee Smith? It was three different pictures. Right. I still have yes, that, yeah, by the way. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the best. And it's a perfect example of how to take the high fastball the other way. Guys don't do that anymore. <laughs> You're the best, Steve. Be well. You're letting me be old here. You're letting me be an old guy. Thank you. You're great. Thank (laughs) you so much. Lou Maloney, former big leaguer, now works for WEEI, the flagship station for the Boston Red Sox, joins us once again on A's Cast Live. Lou, how are you? I'm doing good, boys. How are you? Uh, We're doing well, and a report has just come out, and I want to get your opinion on it that baseball might might be thinking about in 2020 after the – CBA is up and renegotiated about expanding the playoffs 
and having it like a draft, a reality show draft, where the where the, the top teams can pick who they want to play in the playoffs. It would be uh, the top team would get a bye. The next three teams would host a three-game wild card. It would just kind of change the way we do the postseason. I don't know if you've seen this article, but, uh, you know, everybody's so afraid of change in baseball, but maybe change is something and really kind of a little bit of a kick in the ass baseball needs to help get a younger generation following the game again. Yeah, I think, I think MLB does need some changes. There's no question about it. I, I would just – MLB sometimes sort of dives into things without really looking at the big picture and then ends up changing rules midsummer because it didn't work. So uh, I, I would just look at it and say, you know, I mean, why seven, maybe six, you know, two teams with a bye and then have that one team choose who they want to play the rest of the way out of that. Uh, I question sort of like a motivation. Like if you're, if you're not going to be that number one seed, does it really matter what your record is the best of the, the rest of the way? Um, what benefit is it? So now you're talking about seven teams making the playoffs and maybe one team's got the bye and the other teams are just sort of saying, well, ah, we'll just play out September and rest and get guys going and, so I just I hope that they'd look at and the other thing obviously too is best two out of three right so yeah you go Monday Tuesday Wednesday you know when's when the team with the bye when do they get to play is there a play-in game to get the seventh seed is there a rain out does the team with the bye have to sit an entire week before they have to play baseball so I think it's more complicated I like the idea of change I think they need things like pitching pitch clocks and everything else I just hope they think this one through. We're hearing from the commissioner as of last week that the discipline for the Red Sox will be coming down this week. Have you guys heard anything, and what are your expectations for these sanctions against the Red Sox? I have not heard as far as timing goes. Um, As far as the organization, they seem pretty confident that, you know, that they they didn't do some of the things that they're accused of. Now, we'll see how that thing plays out. We'll see if the commissioner finds anything you know there isn't a Mike Fires out there there isn't videos of banging drums this is about you know finding sources and and telling them more than hey they knew all the signs from every every other team all the catchers and it's like okay well how did they find this how did they get those signs how you know did they do it during the game because that's very important did they have them beforehand through scouting reports or was this some during the game so I think it's I think it's difficult to kind of prove something. If they have something, God bless them. You know, they'll come out with it and they'll pay the price. But I think this is um, sort of a wait and see because they, they, they feel like they didn't do anything. We'll see whether you believe that or not. You made the great point last time on the show when we were talking about, you know, hiring a new manager and they don't have a new manager and Ron Rinnecke's right there. And, and you said, well, yep. if there's an issue, you'd have to fire him too. And you don't want to fire two managers in one off season. Rumors are now right. Rinnecke's going to be the guy. So I, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of thinking, you know, they believe Rinnecke's going to be cleared and they can probably hire him and then they'll have their guy going into spring training. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think they're going to kind of approach it that way, maybe without the official title. And, you know, as long as it's in-house, um, you know, Renicky will run camp like he would if he's the bench coach, maybe with more of a role manager. But really, if it's somebody from outside the organization, man, it is really a short turnaround to get to know your players, get to know the organization, uh, all, all the minor league system, some of the players. So in-house makes a lot of sense. And if they're able to do that, still got to wait for this, 
you know, obviously the suspensions or whatever might come down. Whoever knows what the what the commissioner is doing. But I just think they want to just play it safe before they officially announce Ron Renicky. But I think I expect him to be the manager. You know, there was a three-way trade that was agreed upon between the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Twins, and there was a lot of heat, and obviously people in Beantown and New England were not happy about this. So then all of a sudden, Gratterall is a guy that, oh, we're looking at his medicals, we don't like him. And now the Dodgers went, what do you mean, we'll trade for him. Did the deal have to blow up and get redone because of the backlash and there had to be belief that the Red Sox needed to get more if they were going to trade Mookie Betts? You know, honestly, just being here, I, I have a hard time sort of believing that. Now, listen, this organization is PR conscious. However, I have a hard time believing that they felt like this was going to go over well. You know, it didn't matter what they got in return. They're trading away Mookie Betts, a great player. Um, fans feel like, hey, listen, if he wants $400 million, pay the man $400 million. Other people sit there and say, you know, 12-year deals aren't worth it. So that's sort of a mixed bag. But I just have a hard time believing that they would really kind of squash a deal with PR. They knew that this was not going to be popular. They knew this was going to go wrong. You know, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was, and they traded for Drew Pomeranz out in San Diego. A.J. Preller was suspended by Major League Baseball for not properly giving up the medicals. And the Red Sox found out that he needed, you know, um, some kind of surgery for, on his elbow. And that information was not passed along to, to Boston. They gave up their number one pitching prospect. And they took heat for not re, you know, looking into this deal and saying, okay, shouldn't they get more? I mean, they, they, they traded for a broken pitcher. And they took heat for that locally. And now it sort of seems like they're getting heat for being cautious. I know they got burned years ago, but I don't know what that medical is. I honestly don't know by looking at a medical, if you could tell he's a reliever or a starter. Um, but I just don't think people around here were going to be fine with this deal no matter what they got in return because they love watching Mookie Betts play. Yeah, isn't it you that kind of broke it broke it down for everybody that, you know, he countered with like a 12-year, what, $420 million deal? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they've, they've tried to sign him, and it, those reports have been reported earlier. There was a $100 million deal, $200 million deal, but there was an effort to try to get him for 10 years around the $300 million range. And, and you know, listen, both sides, you know, the Red Sox don't want to go too far. Mookie Betts bet on himself, and he is going to win. I don't blame him one bit. I don't think that he doesn't like playing in Boston. I think that he does. But he's always approached it as a business in his negotiating contracts. And I think he felt the same way. Like, he knows what his value is. And if the Red Sox weren't willing to pay that, then he would go to free agency. And most likely, he'll get close to it. It's just the Red Sox weren't willing to go that far. And because of that, remember, they had guys like J.D. Martinez who could opt in at $25 million. They had Xander Bogarts and Chris Sale who were going to be a free agent. Ovaldi that was a free agent. And I don't think it's a coincidence that shortly after they, you know, talks broke with Mookie Betts, that they re-upped Xander Bogarts to make sure they weren't going to lose him. And they re-upped Chris Sale because they didn't want to lose him in the hopes of waiting this thing out only to find out Mookie went to the highest bidder. So they sort of moved on, I believe. Is there a possibility that Mookie Betts gets into free agency and he's not getting the number he thought he was going to get? Let's say nothing in 400 million. Let's say it's 330 or whatever. 
Is there a possibility yep. the Red Sox could be back in play for him? Well, I think if you go on the on the belief that it's a business and negotiating and he wants to earn top dollar, and if that's the top dollar and the Red Sox feel like, okay, now he's back into the low threes, um, I guess theoretically, yeah, sure, they would be more, they would be involved in it. It's just, it does seem hard to think that, you know, it's tough to believe that you, you trade a player like that away and then you turn around and re-sign him in the offseason. I know the Yankees did it with Chapman, um, but I guess it's still a possibility. And I think about just the bad vibes. I, I can tell you this past weekend I, I was down at the AT&T and Justin Verlander was playing. Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, were playing. And I saw, you know, I followed Verlander for two holes and people were yelling cheater. He was getting heckled a little bit. Just there's going to be a lot of bad vibes. Just tell us as a former player and looking at the Red Sox this year, how tough is it going to be for them? Baseball's hard enough without having a dark cloud over you. Yeah, and I think as far as the Red Sox go, it's, it's you know, we'll see what the commissioner comes up with, and if they found them guilty of it, uh, I do think it's going to be you know a difficult year for those players. Um, you know, Houston Astros as well. I mean, it's given all the stuff that's kind of come out here with the banging of the barrels. I think there will be a lot of teams, a lot of opposing pitchers who have a serious issue with walking into a, uh, you know, a stadium and the guys knowing exactly what's coming. And if the Red Sox approved to do the same thing, I would expect the exact same feeling coming into Fenway Park, you know, and, and whether they sort of try to handle it on the field um, or not is, is one of those, let's wait and see what happens. But it's tough. It's tough when you, when you win a World Series and all that comes into question, whether it's legit or not. And the players will probably sit there and say it was legit, we're good players, but the bottom line is is that even as you saw from A.J. Hinch the other night, that's up for debate. Let's end on this, Lou. You think about the reporting now where they talked about busting it out in 2016 and then kind of perfecting it in 2017, and then in 2018 they were using it, but they started realizing that people were catching on. I mean, can you imagine as a player doing something like this with the reality, not thinking you were going to get caught with the way people change teams? It's just kind of crazy that you think you can just keep doing it and doing it and that people are not going to find out and and you're not going to get popped. Yeah, and I even felt like uh, AJ the other night when he was presented with a question about the buzzers. And, you know, I listen, I like AJ. I've known him for a while. But you know, rather than to say I, I believe the commissioner's report, I mean, I thought it was an easy opportunity to say no. No, we didn't use the buzzers. And the commissioner looked into it, and he found no evidence of it either. And that was never said. So, you know, it's um, – it's difficult. It's tough for those guys to kind of rebound. And meanwhile, the players themselves, as we all know, the ongoing debate, you know, the GM is gone, the manager is gone. Meanwhile, the players are the ones that are still sitting there, the ones, you know, who did benefit, watching all these people around them, you know, being fired, losing their jobs, having a tough time maybe getting back into baseball while the players go about their lives and still make the money they're making. So the whole thing is... It's not good for the game. It's not good for the organization, and, and we'll see what comes up at the Red Sox. It might not be good for them. Lou, always appreciate the time. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, anytime. No problem. Have a good night. Thanks, Lou. When I think of integrity, when I think about doing it the right way, there's not a better scout 
There's not a better dressed guy on television. And the points he makes are second to none on NBC California on A's pre and post game live. I I've heard from my sources, Ken Korak. He needs to work on his golf game, but Shooty Babbitt is the best in the business. Shooty, how have you been, my friend? Chris Townsend, happy 2020, man. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's starting to warm up a little bit. Um, the flowers are starting to bloom, and you know what time of the year that is, man. So you know spring training is right around the corner. And uh, each day I'm getting more and more excited about the season starting. No doubt. Once the Super Bowl's over and we have the AT&T down at Pebble Beach and it's over, you know it's baseball season, pitchers and catchers. Talk about what your life's like as a big league scout during spring training. Wow. You know, the great part of it is I take a couple of two- or three-day trips uh, during December and January, and that's the first time I start packing and traveling again. And so that's like spring training for me, getting ready, getting all my gear ready. No, I'm going to be in the trenches for a whole month down in Arizona. I'll be in backfields. I'll be in big league games. I'll be all over the place in Arizona just trying to unturn or find a a gym underneath a rock somewhere, find some uh, extra on a roster or find a diamond in the rough. Just keep my ears and my eyes open because every year brings something special, something unknown. Some player takes his game to another level, falls off the map for another organization. You can't rest on what happened in 2018 or 19. Um, it's a brand new season. Uh, the Everything is washed clean. Everybody gets a new start. And every team thinks that they have an opportunity to be much better than they were the year before. And I have to take the same approach as a scout. Even though I may have a good year as a scout, our club, 197, games last year and came up one game short of going further in the postseason. Our goal is to go further, and my goal is to be a better scout this year and try to make our team even better than it was last year. Isn't it amazing how different teams can look at one player and see different things? Like, a guy can be in an organization, and that organization really doesn't like him that much, to where another organization goes, I love the guy. we got to go get this guy. It's amazing this scouting game and how people evaluate these human beings. It's incredible. I mean, we want to just make a one-year difference. Uh, we knew the value. Uh, we knew what Mark Canna uh, brings to the table as a right-hand hitter and how he's always just crushed left-handed pitching but he had not established himself as an everyday player, but his value was his versatility for us and the things that he would be able to do. Now, had we not believed in him in the way that we have, and we know that we have 29 other teams that are paying attention to what he's been doing, had we been reluctant to protect him or keep him and um, listen to what other people are saying about him, perhaps not like him like we should, and look at the year that he had last year. Just one more year. Look at the player that Mark Canna turned into. And it wasn't bad. It's just a little feather in his hat. I think he did win backflip of the year. So that lets you know he's doing a whole lot of pimping at home plate for sure. You <laughs> mentioned the word versatility. And now with that extra roster spot, if you can play multiple positions, it's just that that guy in baseball has become so more valuable because we're still going to have these big bullpens. And, and if you give me flexibility for a skipper like Bob Melvin, you can play the infield, you can play the outfield, you can play all over. Man, do we need more guys like that. You know, I used to think that 
one thing that a lot of clubs took for granted is the importance and the value of having a couple of switch hitters on your team because what that does is it creates issues for the manager later on in the game and it forces him to make some decisions based on matchups and what he has in the bullpen coming in and what's sitting on the bench. But now with the new rules of the pitchers, once they start, they have to complete an inning and all this different types of stuff. It's changed the dynamic, and you're definitely going to have to have more guys down in that bullpen to compensate for not being able to have a specialist because you can't afford to keep specialists down there. So now you've got a, a position player who's not just a switch hitter, but a guy that can play all over, a guy like uh, – even Mark Canna, but Chad Pender is probably, you know, Tony Phillips' knockoff type. He's just the kind of guy that you can put him anywhere, and he can help you, and he probably could play every day for a lot of teams or in a certain position. So, yeah, the value has definitely increased, and I don't think you can have enough of those guys on your team. Now, don't get me wrong. You need carriers. If you're going to win, if you're going to make it to that next level as far as playoffs are concerned, you're going to need those big boppers. You're going to need those stars. But when you have a significant uh, roster of guys that make a, con- a solid contribution and you know what you're going to get from those guys, that's when their value really increases. So the guy everybody's worried about now is a left-handed specialist, the guy that comes in and gets that big left-handed bat out, and uh, and they're, they're a one-batter guy, and people think that, that that player's in trouble. What advice – would you give to those left-handed specialists to try and keep them on rosters? Well, they better find a way to get right-handed hitters out because if they don't, and typically uh, the common denominator there is the change-up. I mean, because that's a pitch that you can get right-handers off balance with. You can have some success. When they see those cummy-tummers coming up there, them soft tossers, all those right-handers do is just get closer to the dish and dare those guys to come inside with it. So if they can't move it both ways, if they can't change it up, they're going to have trouble, big-time trouble. And I think for the athletics, you know, when you have a quiet off season, it's really, really nice. We've talked to David Forrest about this on the David Forrest Show, about not having to remake a whole starting staff, not having to, like, go out and find a bunch of guys just to fill the roster, that your core is here. You know, when, when you go into spring training and your number one question is just second base, that is good to know. But you got a lot of different guys with the possibilities of playing second base. How, how, do, you, how do you handicap that fight? Well, I think because you have so many guys out there fighting, you got five viable guys who could possibly come up with that job, uh, and rightfully so, because they've all shown a sample size somewhere along the line that they deserve an opportunity guys that have been on the roster and a couple of guys that they've added. So, I mean, competition is great. I think people who have been A fans for at least the past 10 years have got an opportunity to see what's been going on here for the past at least four. Because if you look at the group of kids that have come up over the past four years, they've been pretty much a part of a group of kids who played together in the minor leagues, who've won together, who've lost together, who've learned together, have been mentored together, have spent a lot of time together. And you talk about culture. That's how you build culture, by keeping guys together, playing together, pulling together, this is the big leagues, and a lot of these guys are thinking about their welfare, how they're going to take care of their families and their families and their uh, families on top of families. So a lot of times there could be a little individuality as far as attitude is concerned, but you notice when you interview these kids, they are so well-rounded and they've been prepared, and they truly, 
they truly pull for the other guys on their team. And you just don't find that much at the big league level like you do with this group. And they're going to be special for a while. So when you start talking about only have to make it one or two moves, that's a great thing because all you're doing is tweaking a little bit. I started with the Atlanta Braves back in 1993 when I started scouting and that was one remarkable thing about that organization is that they just kept the meter moving when one guy left there was one guy to step in and that was all due to great scouting and they kept depth in the organization right now that's what the A's are trying to continue to create and right now you're seeing that sample at the big league level what is it like evaluating a guy in spring training and you know he's out of options and you like him it's a beautiful thing. I mean, either he's going to make your club or he's going to bring you some of value. And that's the position that you want that kid to be in because now his back is in a, in a corner. Uh, he's got to fight his way out. And you get a chance to see what he's made of. Everybody that's not blessed with the opportunity, you know, after three options, you make the big league club and everything is happy ever after. Some guys have to fight for everything that they get. If you've been around long enough to run out of options, that means that you've been doing enough to keep the club's eyes on you and wonder when you're going to mature into that player that they thought that you were, that you could be when they acquired you. So it's a good problem to have. Uh, if you're worried about it, but a lot of times the guy's out of options and you don't expect him to make your club anyway, he makes it a lot easier on you. You know, the baseball obviously was the talk of 2019. When you're evaluating people and you're seeing that ball flying out of the ballpark and it's going further and further and further and, you know, pitchers talked about it's like throwing a, it's like throwing a cue ball. What's it like evaluating talent when you know you got to juice baseball? Well, after a while, when you see certain guys hitting the ball where normally slobber mouth guys hit the ball, you know something is wrong. If it's in the ozone, uh, if it's in the atmosphere, uh, most of the time it's in the balls. There were a time when the bats were juiced up a little bit. But then you just take it and you look at it and you, you look at the body work of the whole league. I think – you don't want to grade on a curve, if you will, but if you've got guys' numbers that are elevated that have not been doing that in the past and it's just not a customary to see a little dude going opposite field six or seven rows up a tank, man, that just don't happen. You know something is different. You see the home run numbers are up. You see the uh, strikeout and walk numbers have changed. So it's something different with the baseball. But I hope Major League Baseball makes some changes because you want the game to be fair. You don't want the guys that came before these guys and their numbers to be wrecked when they did it with a ball that was much different. And the game has definitely changed, and I know that, and we have to live with that. But we do want to keep the game uh, realistic for sure. Yeah, two uh, more than 2,000 home runs at AAA last year to set the record. And you got some good pitchers. It's tough to evaluate. Guy's got a 7 ERA. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but it's tough to evaluate pitchers. And they could be really good pitchers, but they got like 7 ERAs down in AAA. Well, that depends on who's looking, Tony. You know, because now you said there's one thing when you have throwers and there's another thing when you have pitchers. And everything, the numbers don't always show everything, especially when you're talking about in the Coast League because the numbers are elevated. But when I'm looking at guys that can pitch, they're just not a guy up there that's trying to light up the radar gun and 
before a catch, ball even gets in the catcher's glove, he's looking at the radar gun to see how hard he's throwing. I'm looking at guys that keep guys off balance, guys that can read barrels. They're guys that have great sequences, uh, could read swings, uh, can change speeds, can add a little bit, can take a little bit off. Like they're in command and in control. When you're in the Coast League and you see guys hit good pitches out of the ballpark, you understand the element and what's going on there. But that, I think what you say there, to me, that's the thing that's missing the most in the game that I miss when you start talking about pitchers and throwers. Sure, everybody's throwing 96 to 97 to 98 miles per hour, but how many times have you left the ballpark and said, man, what a great pitching performance we got out of our starting pitcher tonight? And that's what I miss in the game. Yeah, what well, what happened? I mean, 94, 95 was blowing smoke. There was just very few guys that could get upper 90s. And now everybody's throwing upper 90s. What happened in the game that allowed all these guys to be able to do this? Well, power became premium. And everybody's looking for power arms. And it's just amazing how many power arms we have. But we also have had 9 zillion Tommy John surgeries. Something is wrong here. You know, and I'll, I'll always go back to my early scouting days where I uh, learned how to scout. And I think about the staff that we had over there with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, uh, Tom Avery. Uh, these guys, Greg Maddox could throw 93-94 if he wanted to. But all he did was win 15 games, 15 years in a row to back it up with 15 gold gloves because he had that application. You know what I mean? He knew when he let go of it, he knew where it was going to go. And he knew if they made contact, he knew where they were going to hit it. So he wasn't out there huffing and puffing and pulling his arm out. I don't think I've seen a dude with ice on his arm. But all he did was every fifth day go out there and give you six, seven, eight innings. And before you know it, he had 30-something starts. Now if you see a guy get 30-something starts in the big leagues, you're going to see what, ask what's wrong with that dude, find out what's wrong with his arm because they just don't do that anymore. But power is premium, and for some reason, guys just are not – you just don't find a lot of guys who can pitch, man. How many new suits are we going to see this year on NBC Sports California? Well, County, if my bingo numbers come in, you may see a few. If not, <laughs> you'll see something tailored up. Cause, but it's going to be something fresh. You know that. <laughs> hey, because if, if you don't look good, you can't play good. Oh, man, look here, man. I'm looking so forward to the season, man. Um, what the Oakland A's organization have done this year during the off season, and all the things that they're trying to do to make this brand as good as any in the game. And us former players that are getting an opportunity to continue to be a part of it. You know, uh, Matt Langston and his crew this year took over the A's fantasy camp for the first time. And he had a group of kids that had never done this ever. And I've been a part of the A's fantasy camp under the, under the name of Dave Henderson for the past nine years. And uh, rest his soul, he did such a tremendous job of keeping that thing going, man. We love Dave Henderson. We're thinking about you every day, bro. But those kids and his crew came in and did such a tremendous job, and especially with some of the guys like Jason Giambi, who had not spent time in the fantasy camp before. Vita Blue was there this year with Dave Stewart and Burt Campanaris, uh, Dallas Braden. Man, we had such a tremendous time. And I think it's just so much of a, a, a reflection of, of the new life uh, that they're doing with this club, man. So, Ace fan, uh, go out, get your gear, get ready, man. It's going to be a great year, and we're going to bust some heads in them Houston Astros because you know they got a headache right now anyway. So we just go 
keep it beating for sure. You know, some people just fit, right? It's just the right fit. I think about you. I think about the Oakland Athletics. It's just the right fit at this point in your career. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. You know, I truly feel, and I've told you this over many times, and I I am so blessed to be in the position I am. To grow up in the Bay Area, idolize in Oakland A's players, uh, pulling for the team, watching them win World Series, and to be drafted by the club and make it to the big leagues and just do all the things that that organization allowed me to do. Man, if you cut me, it's going to be blood on the outside, but if you stick me deep enough, man, green and gold just going to gush out, man, and and I'm just – Truly, truly, truly blessed and uh, thankful for everything that they do for me with that organization, man. You are the best. We'll see you down in Arizona. Man, I'm looking forward to it, bro. <laughs> All right, Tony. Have a great one, man. Thanks for having me. Take care, Shooty. <laughs> Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. How we doing, Ray? Wonderful, my friend. How you doing, Tony? That is, I'm just amazed by that open. I mean, Cody did a great job writing it, and of course, Alex with the recording, and here you and I are on Hump Day, and it's just a great day because the weather is so good. It's so great. And baseball is right around the corner. It's a great time of the year, Tony, as you know that. Are you back in the Valley of the Sun? I'm getting ready to head back probably the next couple of days. So I am still in the Bay Area enjoying this fine weather, getting ready to go down there. I, I usually show up when everybody shows up, uh, the full workout, pitchers and catchers. Tony, I've been to a lot of spring trainings. And, you know, there's just a lot. It's very short for pitchers and catchers because they get to throwing in. But once everybody gets there and, of course, the game starts, that's when it all begins. So uh, I'm getting ready. I've been doing a lot of work. So many things going on in baseball that we continue to talk about. And it's going to continue to be talked about for a long time, and especially now as pitchers and catchers and players report to spring training. And you know what I'm talking about because it's already happening around baseball with some of the – conversations amongst players uh, in the last couple of years on certain teams and the writers getting the information. And of course, that's really, (laughs) that's what baseball seems to be about right now. So it'd be great when the game starts and uh, especially with the season, get through the spring training and get the team ready to go and and start in uh, late March. It'd be a lot of fun. I want to throw a scenario at you and I I want your opinion on this. Okay. All right. So, the season ends, and we have this new playoff <laughs> format. So there's going to be three teams in the National League, and there's going to be three teams in the American League, and it's basically they're going to be picked on where they got to go play in the playoffs. Can you just imagine these six teams, when their season's done, they got to get in the bus they got to go to the plane, and they got to sit there on the tarmac, and there's this TV show that everybody's watching around the country, and they're watching the top teams pick them. So let's say this year the New York Yankees would add the first pick. So on the tarmac in a plane is going to be the Rays, the Indians, and the Red Sox. And the Yankees' Brian Cashman will get up there and say, we want to play Cleveland. We would have cameras inside Cleveland's 
airplane. And when Cleveland finds out, we get the reaction of the players when the Yankees pick them. Then all of a sudden, it's wheels up and they're heading to New York. This whole thing for me, Ray, I know you may love it, you may hate it, but from a show standpoint, there's so many different things that would make this an unbelievable show and entertainment. My question to you, Tony, is why? Because I understand what you're saying in the entertainment, but you know who has to be probably uh, maybe restructure the contracts would be the director of team travels. How about Mickey Morbido? With the scenarios that you just presented, the traveling secretary is the one that has to have the hotels. He has to have the plane ready to go. He has to have all these things ready to take off. But, I mean, granted, it's entertainment. But, Tony, this great game of baseball has been around for a long, long time. And I know a lot of changes are taking place and maybe some for the good, but I think there comes to a point out that the rules just came out for the new season. I'm sure you saw them with Major League Baseball and the three batter minimum. Uh, the, the challenges go from 30 to 20 seconds now. Uh, a lot of different things happening. The 26th man, 28 players in, po- in uh, September. So a lot of those things are changing the game already, but now you expand it even more to this. Let me throw something at you, Tony. I spoke with someone who's been in baseball forever uh, this morning. And he brought up the scenario of, let's say, a particular team is guaranteed pretty much going to postseason. How would their attendance be affected? Because let's say a fan says, my team is going to postseason. Why should I buy tickets to the regular season when I can save my money for the postseason and buy seats for the postseason because my team is going to be there? So there's a lot of things that can go into this, Tony, that, yeah, on the surface, it looks like it's great and great entertainment. But, man, there's a lot of things that are going, going, going to go on, I think, during the season that maybe will will go against us. Now, let me throw something Wait, wait, hold on. Can, can I respond uh, to that real quick? Let me respond to that. Sure. Whoever told you yeah. that is 100% wrong. Because we as human beings, we like, par- we like being a part of the big show. When, when teams are doing well, we want to be a part of it. We want It's the it factor. We want to be there when something special happens. So even these teams, we've traditionally seen it, if you're a team that's blowing people away like the Astros or the Dodgers last year, people were still there in September loving it because you want to be a part of it. So whoever told you that, I'm not buying it. Well, no, I, I, and I agree with you on that, on that basis of what you're just saying. There are fans, and I'm sure – there are going to be a lot of fans that say, I'm going to watch my team play. And we're going to see that with the Oakland A's fans because they're going to enjoy this team starting from day one in late March all the way to the end of the season. And they're going to enjoy that. And maybe some of those people can't afford to, to pay the price of the tickets in postseason. But, Tony, I think another thing that, that happens, let's say you mentioned the three top teams. You had the division leaders, those three in each league, the American and National League. So you have the six teams. But if you start going down, already there are two wild cards in each, each league. That makes 10 teams total out of 30. Now you expand that, you could, you could feasibly have a team with the seventh best record or maybe the 14th best, uh, worst record, or best record, I guess you could put it, that could win a world championship. Now, you could say, well, what's wrong with that? I think if you get to, to October, if you're a hot team, you've got a chance to win no matter where you are. And you could be – like I said, number 14, you could be number one. If you get hot, you can run the table and be a world champion. So I, I think there's, uh, there are a lot of things that go into this, Townie. And, you know, th- there are a lot of things that are going to be talked about, just like the attendance, just like with the, the wild card winners and all the records of different people. You know what I think is, too, is going to happen, to your point? 
that let's say a team that gets down close to the end that maybe they say we need to improve our club so we can be one of those 14 teams that go to postseason. So, so there are a lot of factors that go into this, but um, there are going to be positives and negatives. Uh, what you said is very true because I know people want to watch baseball. The, the greatest thing about watching baseball regular season, especially at the Coliseum, uh, when, when Claywood has this field so great, and now that the baseball is going to be the only team played, that's going to be a, a pristine stadium team or, or field all the way through to the end of the season and postseason. So I think that's the beauty of going out and looking and watching a baseball game with that beautiful Coliseum and the environment being there. You want to be a part of it. So, I mean, it's going to be banter back and forth. I just mentioned about one person said to me this morning, and I agree with you that, yes, people are going to watch during the regular season because, Tana, you and I know when we've been to New York, those fans, 50,000-plus, they want to just annihilate the team they're playing. They don't care who they're playing. They want their Yankees to win. Every team should feel that same way about their home team. No matter who they play, you go out to support that team that you're, you're – like, like, for example, the Oakland A's, you support them, and you hope every team that comes in, you're going to beat them badly. So think about being a team that's selected – what kind of chip? Let's say, let's say you're on the Indians, and, and the Yankees <laughs> yeah. select you. What kind of chip are you going to have on your shoulder heading to New York as the Indians? <laughs> no, there's going to be a lot of chips on shoulders. You're you're right, and, and you know because in reality, you, you start looking probably if you're one of the premier teams. Let's say you're throwing out the Yankees. You know they're probably going to know going down the stretch. They're going to be one of those teams that get to, ch- to select. And they're going to look at a team that maybe doesn't have the pitching, maybe doesn't have a certain offense. And let's not forget, too, that home field advantage, while the A's didn't experience that last uh, October, having the Rays in town because it just didn't work out. But the one part about this whole scenario I like is that the wild card series is three games, the best of three. I think that, to me, is one of the positives, and especially for a team like the Oakland A's that has not had a lot of success, much any success being a part of that one-game scenario or much less a division of a five-game scenario. So I think there are a lot of changes that could benefit a lot of teams. But I agree with you. If you're a team and you get the cameras in the Cleveland, per se, uh, per se uh, plane, and they say, oh, really? You think we're going to be okay? We'll show you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. I, I think that's going to be exactly right. And, uh, you know, you, you just hope because the chip on your shoulder can only go so far. You have to have the talent to be able to beat them. And I, I think uh, – but, but I agree with you. That, that's going to be something that uh, could be very exciting for all of baseball. So Billy Bean came in power taking over the A's after the 97 season. If we had this playoff format the whole time <laughs> under Billy Bean, the A's would have been in the, been in the playoffs 13 times. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. That is incredible. And, and you know, you just – you don't like to hear all the, the statistics about, you know, the A's haven't done this, haven't done that. You'd like to see them go into postseason in advance like they did in, uh, what, 06 when they swept the Minnesota Twins, unfortunately swept by the Tigers. But, no, I think given that opportunity and, and you know, the more teams, you, what you're really looking at right now, baseball has 10. I, you know football and, and basketball better than I, but there seem to be a lot of teams involved in those postseason berths uh, in those two sports. I don't know about hockey, but I do know that baseball has risen to 10 because the two wild cards at one time, it was when the American league played the national world series. And 
You're going home October the 10th versus now playing possibly into November. There are a lot of changes, but uh, if that's what excites people, if that's what gets people out to watch baseball, then whatever is necessary, the game has to change. It needs to change and probably will change just because they want the fans to go out in larger numbers to watch their teams play. So the three-pitcher minimum is now a new rule. Like it three or batter get, minimum. Three batter three, minimum. Three batter minimum. Right. P- pitchers right. got to pay three batters. How do you like it? You know, um, I, I said before on our show that uh, Terry Francona, very good manager, uh, very outspoken about he likes to manipulate the bullpen, use lefties and righties. Uh, I'd say, like, if you watch a game, and let's say a starting pitcher on both teams goes at least six, that game typically will fly by pretty quickly. Once the relievers start to come in, all of a sudden it's a snail's pace. It starts to slow down, and you have lefty, righty, righty, lefty, the whole thing coming on. So on that premise that, yes, maybe it can speed up the game a little bit, you'll have less uh, uh, mound visits by the manager to make a pitching change, et cetera. But the thing that I don't like, and I'm sure from the association standpoint, let's not forget the CBA collective bargaining agreement goes through 21, uh, so two more years under the current status but if i were part of that and they had to sign off on it so i'm sure they have players saying hey you cost me a job because in case of ryan bookter he was designated for assignment or at least non-tendered because his numbers against lefties were better than righties so if there was a possibility that he had to face say two righties after one lefty maybe it would not work out uh mark satinsky basically you know a third of an inning or one batter that was it um, those are two names that come to mind but i think there's some pitchers that basically uh, if you're lefty or righty now you're going to have to get both lefties and righties out depending which side you pitch on because you're going to have to face the three unless it's the final out of an inning uh, according to that rule but uh, you know the pace of the game I think the one thing Tony uh, and I heard Scott Emerson doing a, a podcast and I was going to talk to him about this when we get out of spring training because of the paranoia about sign stealing now you're talking about pace of game I think the game will be slowed down considerably because I would be shocked if every team does not use multiple signs, regardless of whether there's runners on base or not. And that's going to create time because let's say a pitcher doesn't like the sign that a catcher gives. He has to go through the multiple signs again. That takes time. So the pace of the game, I think will slow down based on that. Whereas a lot of these other new rules like the three batter minimum and 22nd on a challenge versus 30. I think some of those, will not be as well i don't think that's going to create the 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 lesser pace of game than maybe a catcher and pitcher having to go through multiple signs you know i he you would you would have to be a moron to have electronic (laughs) sign stealing at this point i mean because oh gosh yeah yeah you're looking at you're you're looking at it from a standpoint where i don't know if aj hinch and Alex Cora and Jeffrey Luno and Carlos Beltran will ever get a job again in Major League Baseball. Like you are That's literally, you're literally risking your career. You're and and if you get caught now after what's happened, we don't know what's going to go on with Boston. But if you get caught, if you get caught like this season, you probably you probably will get the death penalty. But Tony. You know what you're saying is exactly right, but remember what happened in a certain era of baseball where they said the same thing, and it's still being done. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But but I, I think I think 
it's still, regardless of whether the technology, they're not going to allow probably to have anybody in, let's say with Adam Rode, our video coordinator, nobody's going to need to, or can be around him. It's probably going to be so secure. It's unbelievable. And, you know, all those things are going to happen. But I still think that just like with any other thing, some things can happen and change the game, but you're still going to have, I, I still would be shocked if, if I say to Tommy as our director for, for NBC Sports California, I say, Tommy, can you show me the catcher? And I think I'm going to be as shocked as anybody if I see the A's catcher using one sign at any point in a ball game. I just think it's going to be something that's going to be used, and I think there's going to be some problems occur because of that. But uh, I, I think the paranoia of sign stealing is still going to be there, regardless of whether technology is involved or not. And it should never be involved. Technology shouldn't be, just because that is – uh, a level playing field. It's not a level playing field when you use technology like was done from 17 and sounds like even before that in 15 with a certain team. So I, I still think there are a lot of things that need to be changed. Are you surprised as I am that the manager of the Red Sox has not been named because no penalties or nothing has really been said about whether they're going to be penalized for what they supposedly did in 18? Ron Rennick, he was named the interim manager. And up until, what, today or yesterday, there still was not a manager for the Red Sox. But nothing had been done by the commissioner's office with regard to the Red Sox. How surprised are you about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we Manfred made it seem last week that was coming down this week. Nothing's yep. happened today. We got two more days. We'll see. But now, I, I, I can tell you, Ray, over the weekend, I was down at Pebble Beach, and I saw Justin Verlander for two holes. People were yelling cheater. Same thing with Jim Crane, the owner. And now that we've gotten to spring training, the, the questions are starting to come out. And Bob Melvin said, quote, everyone was fed up with it. I kind of had to sit on this, but I knew I could start. I, I kind of let people know because I knew the A's were like the original team to complain to Major League Baseball saying, these guys are cheating. We know stuff's going on. And they did this years ago. It's amazing how long it took baseball to finally investigate. But the A's were one of the teams that knew this was going on. I agree 100%, Tony, because I was there when it was going on, and I said a number of times on television, it seems like these hitters know what's coming. And obviously they must have because when you, 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 know, you can tell certain things that a hitter does when he is swinging. And, and let's not forget that when a pitcher delivers a baseball, a hitter has less than one second to determine what the pitch is, whether he's going to swing, the whole thing. So it's, it's so critical. But think about if you're standing at the plate – and you know what's coming. You change everything because you're dead set on that certain pitch that you know is coming, whether it's a location, whether it's the type of pitch. And you can watch hitters. They will tell you, as far as I'm concerned, having been a catcher, I can tell when a hitter is standing there, unless he is just up there with a bat on his shoulder saying, I'm going to take the first pitch no matter what. That rarely, rarely happens. But when you see a hitter not move on a changeup, something's going on. Because the arm speed, the arm slot, everything is the same as a fastball. You gear for a fastball, changeup comes in 10 mile an hour slower, and you have that check swing. You, your body moves forward. If you don't see that, you know something's going on. Or you see guys turn on a fastball inside that just, again, like they know it's coming. Or they take a breaking ball away from them, a nasty breaking ball, righty on righty, and, and line the ball to the opposite field. You know, a lot of those things – it's difficult to hit a baseball, probably the most difficult thing in all of sports, and that is to hit a baseball. 
it's very hard to do because these pitchers are talented. Hitters are great, but it's still a very difficult thing. That's why probably never see another 400 hitter. That's getting four hits out of every 10 at bat. You know, I don't think it'd ever be done again. You're, you're lucky and you're happy to hit 300 plus, but you're still making seven outs because these pitchers are that good. But uh, still back to the fact that if you know, something's coming, you know, pitch is coming. It changes everything. And I've been on both sides and I know it affects, uh, it affects the hitter sometimes to the detriment, just because you look for a pitch, you know, it's coming and you change everything. And that's why Townie on a three Oh pitch, if you have a hitter who's successful 3-0 and because probably 99 out of 100 times it's going to be a fastball and you're going to look for that and hit it. And if you have success, you're a great 3-0 hitter. But that's essentially knowing what's coming even though you don't because it could be maybe instead of a 95 fastball, maybe it's a 90. Maybe the pitcher just wants to get a, a fastball over for a strike so he takes something off and that can fool a hitter. But that's to me comparable a little bit to a hitter who stands the plate and knows what's coming. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to happen because I can, I can envision that every time an Astros hitter makes an out in a visiting park, what are the fans going to say? Hey, you didn't know what was coming. I mean, it's, it's got to happen, just like with Verlander and Jim Crane down at Pebble Beach, you know, the same thing. The Astros are going to have to go through a lot, and that's why Dusty Baker, their manager, probably is the best thing that Jim Crane did and the Astros did in hiring Dusty Baker because he can probably control a lot of that, at least be a stabilizing force for the, for the Houston Astros, considering what they're going to go through. On the other side, let's not forget what Mike Fires, I think, will be applauded soundly, very loudly in every park the A's go to in 2020, just because people will appreciate the fact of what he did. And I, I still don't buy the fact that what stays in the clubhouse, you know, stays there. Sure, that's true. But if you're traded and there are things going on like what's going on with the Astros, that's the first thing you're going to tell your new team. Hey, be careful because they're doing some certain things and cheating. You're going to help your team. And I think, you know, as Scott Emerson said, if the Astros really want to keep Mike Fires quiet, they should have kept him. And you, you know, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting season. But, Tony. Uh, let's get to starting in baseball because it's going to be fun regardless. It's still a great game, and I think that's what we all have to look forward to is a great game of baseball starting uh, very soon. You know, I want you to think back to your guys' broadcast on NBC California because you guys have what, what we call a crowd mic, and you have a microphone that's that's behind home plate. Do you ever recall hearing some banging going on? Because your microphones would pick that up. You know, Tony, I wasn't listening for it. So the answer is no, I didn't hear it because, you know, if, if I had been listening, maybe I would have, but you, you know, if, if, if you're going into something and looking for something, then yes, maybe that can happen. But what I do know that in 2018, when certain things were happening, I do know that the A's changed their signs. And I remember talking to a pitcher and I said before, he said, man, all these difficult signs, you know, I, I've got it. So so the A's at that point at least then knew because they changed the signs. And coincidentally, it was a series in which the A's were close to the Astros, and it's almost like the Astros said, we have to win the first game because we don't want the A's to leave in first place or be even closer. Because remember last year, the A's were the only team that, that won a series in Houston, winning three out of four in the last time they were in town after getting one out with 15 to nothing in the first game. They scored 21 in the second game. So – you know, things are changing. And you have Bob Melvin, a former catcher, knows the importance of trying to 
make signs difficult for the opposing team, but you don't want to make them too difficult that your own pitcher doesn't know. <laughs> and if they're, you know, and I'm serious about that yeah. because, you know, it's, it's fans this year. Let's not forget, what is it, five trips to the mound? That's it? I think five is, is now the most you can go to the mound, and that's a, an infielder, manager, coach, catcher, anybody that goes to the mound, that's counted as a mound visit. Well, now you have a runner third. And now your catcher is given a sign, multiple signs. You pray that the pitcher knows what you're calling because if he doesn't, you're crossed up, that run's going to score. So I think there's a lot more things that can happen because of just a simple sign-stealing uh, technology that's been going on that's going to change the game a lot. And, you know, it, it's, it's the old thing about keep it simple, stupid. You almost have to make signs so simple that everybody's going to get them except the opposing team. And Tony. I know that I, I could give you signs right now that you could never tell what pitch I'm calling. And that's just simple science, you know, and it can be done. I think people are making more out of trying to change it based on even count, odd count, number of outs, number of innings, the whole thing, you know, that creates a lot of thinking by the pitcher. But if, if you simplify the signs, which I, I use a set that I don't think could ever be decoded just because of the different indicator that I used. And, and that's something that can be done if you go to that extreme. And it can be used for every pitcher, not having a different set of signs for each pitcher. But, you know, it's a, it's a great game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball, you hopefully have more runs than the other team and you win the game. But man, you're making it. It's, it's become very complicated now to watch everything that's going on. If you were catching Mariano Rivera, would you even put a sign down? <laughs> No, because I could tell the hitter what's coming in. He still couldn't hit it. Cutter, cutter, cutter. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I may have said this, and, and but it, I think Bear's repeating, because Jim told me, the Hall of Famer, the left-handed hitter, and it was devastating. That cutter from Mariano Rivera in on the hands of a left-handed hitter. And so Tommy would just kind of gradually move back, move back off the plate so that whenever Mariano threw the cutter on the inside part of the plate, he could make it more like it was in the middle of the plate and hit it. But he said Jorge Posada kept watching him, and that's the importance of a catcher, to watch the hitter and especially his feet. What is he doing? Well, as Tommy moved back farther from the plate, Jorge Posada moved with him. So, in essence, what Mariano was doing to Tommy was the same that he did when he's in normal position, but that's, again, part of that. But Rivera, he could tell him what's coming, and you still couldn't hit it. It was just such an unbelievable pitch. And I think the reputation of Mariano Rivera – coming into a game was so great for the Yankees and Rivera that it, it just, it was almost, well, it's over 600 saves. I think it says a lot about the, the, um, the excellence of Mariano Rivera and the only player to go in Cooperstown unanimously. So yeah, great pitch, but kind of, you know, you know, one of the best things that a catcher can do is tell the hitter what's coming because he will never believe you. You think about it. If you're hitting at the plate and I say, Tanner, here comes a fastball. What? What are you telling me that for? And then here comes a fastball. You, you say, well, you were right, but you won't believe it. And the most hitters, I've, I had a hitter one time tell me as pitcher was going through a set of signs, and he kept shaking me off. He said, throw what you want. And the hitter said, oh, no, 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 no. If you don't know what's coming, I don't want to be up here. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you, can, you can get into a hitter's mind by just saying, hey, here comes a fastball. I had a situation where I told, and we're in Venezuela when they're playing, and, and the hitter went 0 for 4, and I went 0 for 4. We knew what was coming. 
I mean, that, that's, that's what happens. Because, again, if you know what's coming, you have to be disciplined because otherwise you're going to jump out of your shoes saying, okay, here comes a fastball. I'm going to crush it. And you end up popping it up or, or getting on top of it. You get off balance with your swing. And that's why there are some hitters that say, I don't want to know what's coming. I want to just react on a pitch that I may be looking for or a, a location I may be looking for. So while the Astros were accused of utilizing sign stealing by players, it doesn't mean that every one of those offensive players were taking those signs because some would not be able to perform at their best if they knew what was coming. The Pakota projections by baseball prospectus didn't give the A's a whole lot of love. They got the Astros. No, they, didn't. they got the Astros at ninety-eight wins. They have the Angels at eighty-seven, and the A's at eighty-five. But I, I do kind of understand because we had the guy on who who was a big part of it, and it, it's like we know this team way better than other people know this team. But if you really, if you were yes. on the outside looking in, you'd say, okay, uh, you only got five starts out of Mania. You you have no idea what Puck and Lazaro are. Frankie Montas didn't pitch half the year. The only guy that was yeah. in the rotation the whole time was Mike Fires, and Chris Bassett gave you some good starts and then to the bullpen. I think we know how strong the starting staff is, but I can tell from the outside looking in, if you just look at the numbers, you'd go, eh, I'm not so sure. And I, and that's a great point, and I agree with you 100%, because looking outside in, because, you know, I, I believe the A's can win – Maybe not 97. Who knows what it's going to take to win the division? Because if it's a level playing field, maybe it won't take 97. We'll take 107. Who knows? But I agree with you. But what I like about the A starting staff, and especially if they go to Chris Bassett and maybe a six to give a couple of those young pitchers some time off, uh, a day off to get a little bit of extra rest and minimize the innings, or at least control the innings, I think that could be beneficial. To Tony, as we all say at this time of the year, you're hoping for health. And I think if those pitchers, the five-plus Bassett, if those guys are healthy and they can take the ball every fifth day or ever, whatever they decide to do, the A's and Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin, whatever they decide to do, if those guys stay healthy, this is going to be an outstanding rotation. And the bullpen's getting better. Luke Trevino's going to have a, a, a much better year. Liam Hendricks stepped in as a closer. I mean, there's so many positives about this club that it was – that's why this is such a great time for the A's to get started because they did nothing – during the offseason because they didn't have to. It was just getting ready with the added year of experience for a lot of the players and getting ready for 2020. But I agree with you. The Angels are going to be good. The Astros, under the circumstances, will still be good. But I think the A's are going to be better. And I think that's why, and we're looking at some, pick the A's to win the division. And that's the goal that the A's have going forward and starting in uh, into March, and that is to win the division and have a guaranteed, regardless of the postseason scenario, but have a guarantee of a first round of at least five games. If you're a catcher, at what point in spring training do you say, oh, my God, i got to catch another bullpen? I mean, there's got to be a point where you've had enough. <laughs> well, remember, when you look at a roster and you see the A's have three catchers on the roster, you look at the non-roster invitees. Those are a lot of catchers. Um, I experienced that, but, you know, Let's think about something, too, along those lines in the regular season because there's been a lot of talk about Sean Murphy and, and maybe having a veteran. Uh, but remember, too, now that the A's have two bullpen catchers, the catcher who is not catching, and let's say he's a veteran, he can sit on the bench and he can go along with, say, Sean Murphy, and they can talk in between innings about pitches that were called, 
uh, about the opposing hitters. That's one of the benefits now of having the bullpen catchers because that extra catcher, backup catcher, does not have to go to the bullpen. And let's say he's a veteran or even just in the case of Sean Murphy and whomever, they can talk between innings along with the pitcher and Scott Emerson. But in spring training, County, my first camp I ever went to, I went to the Cleveland Indians and I warmed up so many pitchers that whenever I got to hit, I couldn't because my legs were shaking so much from catching and squatting down and catching all these pitchers. So from that point forward, my next spring, first thing I got in shape were my legs because everybody wants to hit. And the last thing I wanted to do is warm up so many pitchers that when I got to the plate, I couldn't. And I made sure after that first year, first spring training that I could. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's changed. Um, but, you know, the important thing for, let's say, Sean Murphy is to catch as many pitchers as he can because he needs to familiarize himself. He caught in the spring of last year. He also caught in September. But he has, you know, the more you catch him, the better it's going to be, the more confidence they have in you. And I think going forward in the season where Sean Murphy is your number one catcher and hopefully can catch 125, 130 games, and the pitchers and catch and he worked together, that's going to be the best because you, as a pitcher, want to look at that catcher. And Tanner Roark did it last year when he pitched to, uh, to Sean Murphy. He said, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. So that's the great thing about pitcher-catcher relationship. So if it means you warm up more pitchers in the spring training to make you more comfortable in the regular season, you do that. But the most important thing, and they, the players are allowed to do this now because they don't have to do much in the offseason to get ready for the next season. So I would assume that Sean Murphy, who we saw at FanFest, is going to be ready and uh, be able to catch as many as he wants to. All right, Fossey, take next week off, and we'll talk to you the week after. No, 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 no. You take the next week off. Where are you going? Uh, I'm taking the kids to D.C. and Philadelphia and New yeah. York, and we're going to do a little. We're going to do a little history trip. You know what? You you said that before. I just wanted to remind everybody exactly what you're doing because. That is a great trip to take. Your kids are going to love it. The twins, you're going to love it. And I think it's going to be tremendous. And plus, you can do a scouting report on the city because the A's go to Boston, Washington, and New York in one trip next year, or this, this coming year, late. I think it's in August. So you can do a scouting report on the cities. Oh, I got, I got, trust me. I got, I got restaurants lined <laughs> up. I'll have a scouting report for you. Tony, that's why I admire you because when you do travel, you don't just sit in the hotel room and go to the park. You go out and you see the sights. You did it in the off season with that other team, and now you're going to do it again. So uh, you have a great week, great trip. I'll talk to you the next time from Arizona, and I'll look forward to seeing you down there. We can uh, expand all of this. But Actually, I'm going to hey, I'm going to join you in Vegas and then go to That's Arizona right. with you. That's perfect. That's perfect. So you get to fly on the charter. You can you you and I can gamble. You you and I can gamble all night. No, we're not. No, I don't do that, man. <laughs> hey, listen. Remember, I played. A, I played a summer in Reno, Nevada, and no, no. I saw a catcher get promoted from A ball to Triple A because of his gambling, and I said, nope, not me. I'm not going to do that. So you can do that. I'm going to do baseball, but it would be great to do that. Give Cody a week off also because he does a tremendous job. And I think you have Mark Gubazov following. You did. You already have Mad Dog on. We had Mad Dog on. We got Gooby on at three thirty. Yeah, good, good. Hey, you're you're a great producer, the commander man. He gets them lined up, and you you do a great job once you get them. But Cody continues to do a great job. You do great, my friend. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a fun time with the family next week back east. Take care, Foss. All right, my friend. Take care, Gooby. How are you? What's going on, man? 
Oh, we got a lot. We got a lot going on, obviously. But first of all, uh, my guy, Mark Langston. How is Mark Langston doing in his recovery? He's he's doing great. Uh, we, I text him. We talk to each other quite a bit. Uh, feels completely 100% normal. Pretty much felt that way as soon as he got back from, uh, you know, the hospital in Houston, believe it or not, even though considered how crazy and challenging that was for him that uh, everything seems to be going great and he's going to be ready to go once the season starts. Yeah, him and Steve Sparks with the Astros, two of the best guys in the game and uh, praying for him, no, no doubt about it. How has the offseason been for you? How's the offseason been for the Angels? Well, it's been really busy. I mean, they've, you know, starts with pretty much right off this, the start of the season when Joe Madden was hired as the manager. So, uh, that was great to see, and uh, he brought right away. I mean, it's home for him. He was been part of the Angel organization for a million years, it seemed to be, and went out and had success in Tampa. Obviously, had success there in Chicago as well. But he was really, really excited to be back, and it's great to have that that energy that he always brings on a daily basis. And you can see it already just from the clips I've seen down in spring training and just through his meetings and stuff. How cool it is to uh, see that happening. Yeah, it just it, it seems like the it the the perfect fit. Yeah, you know, they needed that. Uh, you know, he's a kind of a blends old school and new school baseball together, and, and that's where the game has evolved into. And I think it's you're seeing that more and more around where you don't just lean one way and then, or just go completely the other way as far as the, the game of baseball, but you just kind of look for that happy medium in the middle and try to put out the best product on a daily basis, get the most out of your players every day. And, and if you look at Joe and his track record for years and years, he's always been incredible as far as getting the most out of his players. Well, I got to tell you, when I heard that the Angels are getting Jock Peterson, I was like, oh, boy, that's a big-time bat coming to the Halos. The deal was called off, obviously, with all the stuff going on with the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, what Do you do you still think? Because they, they've got too much. They're going to have to move people. they got too many guys there in L.A. Do you think they could be that, – that could be back on and, and, and that trade could happen? Yeah, I mean, when when I first heard that deal, and and that's the thing that's crazy. Everyone wants to be the first one out with all the the information, all the rumors. You know, I was already placing him in the lineup. You know, given that left-handed bat, power bat. You know, you have a lot of right-handed power in in the lineup for the Angels, but not much as far as on a consistent basis on the left side. Other, other than, especially with Shohei Otani, you don't have Cole Calhoun around anymore. He's in Arizona. So you thought, well, that's a pretty good pitch. And Ross Stripling, when he's out there, and he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of innings under his belt each and every season, but when he's out there, he's got some pretty good numbers, especially strikeout numbers. That that's good depth in the starting rotation. A great left-handed bat who can even you know play a little first base as well. And Jock Peterson, but that that fell apart. Don't really know the exact reason behind it, and you hear different you know varying reasons for it from both sides. But uh, you know, you, you just you just move on as quick as possible. But the Dodgers do have a, you know, now that it's official with Price and, and Betts, and, you know, they had their press conference today, there's 42 men on that 40-man roster. So they have to make some sort of move, the Dodgers, a couple of them to create spots on that 40-man roster. So we'll see. They may re-engage as far as the conversation. Uh, as, of, as of this moment, I don't think there's any conversation or any dialogue going on between the Angels and the Dodgers. But I still would not be surprised if that indeed happened here before the season started. The star power in Southern California, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Bellinger, Betts. I mean, unbelievable what's going on down there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I think if you're any, well, California in general, Oakland, 
with their team itself and, and where they've progressed over the last couple of years, especially what they've done in the second half of the last couple of years. So California itself and San Diego down there with the Tease Jr., that kid is ridiculous. So a lot of talent, especially when you look in, in, in the L.A. area. Um, you know, they play each other four times again this upcoming season. The Angels have had really good success when you think about it. You know, everyone always talks about it, and the Dodgers have been great, but over the last, you know, three-plus years, the Angels have been 13-6 and six against the Dodgers. That's pretty impressive, including winning all four last year. But, I mean, that, that, that Dodger team is loaded. But, but then I look at the Angels lineup themselves, they're loaded. It's all come down to, you know, people staying healthy and, and how well starting staffs do. And, and the Angels made some additions to the rotation. And they they need to get some some guys in there to give you some length because their bullpen in the beginning of the year for the Angels was really really good, but they were worn out by the All Star break and guys like Ty Butchery, who I thought at that point could have easily been an All Star, was just all of a sudden the velocity had dropped and you start doubting yourself and you start struggling. He came back a little bit towards the end, but uh, th- these guys need some starters that they can go to, when they go down to the bullpen they can go okay I got a pretty good chance I might have an off day today instead of every day getting up and getting in games. Yeah, that's been my number one question is a lot of people like the Angels. I'm just like, how are they going to get 27 outs? Yeah, you know, but I I look at Julio Tehran. He's, I mean, he's a guy, he's not going to wow you with velocity on his fastball. And that's always been the case. But he's been a pretty consistent winner. Boy, if I'm a pitcher, if I keep anything on the ground, that left side of the infield with Rendon and, and Simmons, that, that's going to be an out. And then you have, you know, you have Castro behind the plate now. He's got some power and he's a pretty good defensive catcher himself. You have the best player in the world out there in center. Uh, all indications are that Justin Upton looks incredible. He's in amazing shape. He wasn't even ready to go to start a spring training at all last year with his knee, and then he hurt his toe. You know, the last one of the last spring training games in the freeway series against the Dodgers. So he was out for a long period of time. And you know, and everyone always should just keep an eye because everyone loves star players in the making. And Joe Adele is one of those guys that. He may be up there sooner now than, than we thought, because especially with that Jock Peterson deal, never does materialize. You might see Joe Adele up there a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, you know, Atani's probably going to start pitching. Is it in May is when we think he's going to be back on the mound? Yeah, that's what they said, but it's funny. Today, and, and I've had, been able to have some pretty good conversations, and I get a good rapport with Shohei Otani. He goes, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be – because he's always going to agree with whatever plan they come up with, but he says, but I, I firmly believe I'll be – ready earlier and that was his case last year as well coming back so never doubt him he's got an incredible work ethic having him back in the rotation it's whether it's you know the once a week whatever day of the week that will be then all of a sudden you got a guy in, in Oakland A's fans remember him well and I know Matt Olson remembers him well his splitter and stuff how good that is and how firm his fastball then then you have a, a legit guy that you can count on especially when you get in the game's in September, because they're probably obviously going to limit innings and pitches there by starting them a little bit later than normal. That uh, it, it, the whole dynamics of the rotation changes when Shohei Otani is going to be available to pitch. I want this to be like Little League. I want him to play every game. I, I, I put him out there. He's a young guy. He is truly one of the special talents we've seen in really baseball history. I, I, I hate the fact that, I, and I know they're going to give him these off days, but I want to see him play every day and even hit when he pitches. Yeah, he's, there's going to be, I think he'll have less off days this time around when he's back in the rotation uh, even even with the with the rules that are set in place right now, he's considered a two way player. So the you know they can carry thirteen other pitchers besides him on their roster, the twenty six man roster. And also, 
he's able to rehab, go down and throw in some rehab games and still come back and play the very next day. And obviously having a team close there by you know Angel Stadium will make that easier for him to be able to get back and forth like that. But he's going to he'll pitch that once a week, and I, I would not be surprised to see him play at least four, if not five days, during the week as well. This will be maybe the one day after he pitches. It might be the only day you won't see him available. But I know he will be available the day before, too, even if it's a pinch hitting role. Well, the Astros' first series is going to be in Anaheim. Their second series is going to be here in Oakland. And, Gooby, I can tell you, being down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T this weekend, I followed Verlander for two holes, and I kept hearing, cheater, cheater. So if you're getting ragged at a golf tournament, what do you think it's going to be like when you hit the road? Yeah, they're, it's everyone. They're loaded with talent, and they are. But anybody that's done anything, whether you're in sports or even on your regular normal job, if you have stress like that, it's never easy. You can try to say, "Oh, I can." You know, once I'm on that's where I'm, I'm comfortable in the baseball field or whatever your workplace. There's not going to be any comfort at all for that team. Yeah, we we open up there in Houston, and then they have they open up. You know, they're our home opener when we get back, and I know there's tons of Angel, I mean, Dodgers and Yankee fans have already bought tickets just to get out for the sole purpose of booing them, you know, at, at our own stadium. So it, it's going to be crazy for them. It's not going to be easy just to go out there and play. It's going to be really hard for them. And everywhere they go, and I don't even think it's ever going to be like, you might you think, well, maybe in the beginning part of the year, then everyone will move on. But stuff keeps coming out every other day that I don't know if that's ever going to be the case where this whole season is going to be difficult. And Verlander, I mean, he, he's an ultimate competitor, and he's been great. But, you know, and then Zach Greinke, he's, he's getting a little bit older himself. There, there's a lot of question marks. When you don't have Garrett Cole in there anymore, it's, it's a different dynamic. So that's why I think when you look at Oakland, you look at the Angels, you look at Texas now, you know, they all got to be thinking the same thing. Hey, we got a shot. Before we're thinking, okay, they got another two or three year window before everyone can really make a run in them. But I, you know, Oakland's made a run in them the last couple of years, but still, it's a little bit too deep of a team for a lot of different reasons. But uh, I think if you're in the, I still think it's the strongest division in baseball. That I don't think it's a foregone conclusion anymore that the Astros are a lock. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all anymore. Yeah, and you know, what do you make of all this? And do you like how baseball has handled all of this? Uh, it, it, I really have tried not to. You know, I, I keep thinking, okay, I just love this game. I've, I've always been a believer in this game, and 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 I, I've always believed people were actually fairly good about being honest and being fair. And that, that's the thing I think the most, being fair to fellow competitors on, on a baseball field, that uh, it, it wasn't fair. And it's unfortunate because I, I know a lot of the people that has been you know let go as managers for different clubs now, from the Astros to the Red Sox, I've known them. And even with the Mets, I've known all those guys very, very well. That it, It's not right. It's not right at all. And I can understand the players today, coming out over the last few days and even a few weeks, in the last few weeks where they're really going away. This is not fair at all. I mean, we're talking about players that, you know, may have been moved up and down from the majors to minors because of bad numbers or, you know, fortunately enough, if all this stuff is true as far as all the, you know, the sign stealing and everything else, that no pitcher was severely hurt because he knew exactly what pitch was coming and he had a line drive back at him. That's the things I think about a lot because I've had – I've been hit a lot. I got my leg broken with a line drive. I'm thinking if, if somebody knew 
what I was thrown and it was and you know and and learned from a completely illegal way that I'd be really upset about that. Yeah, no doubt about it, and it's going to be a long road for them. You know, it's Black History Month, and today we honored the great Ricky Henderson. What was it like for you going up against Ricky Henderson? One of my favorite human beings on the planet. Uh, competed against him so often. Uh, I, I've been people have sent me numbers how many times I faced him. I faced him so many times; it was incredible. He's he's Mike Trout with just a little bit less power. You know, because he can disrupt the game. If he's on base, you got to worry about him stealing. You're going to throw more fastballs at the batter behind you. You're going to step off. You're going to be distracted so often that you're going to make a mistake. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, just go ahead and steal second and third to get it over with. I'll try to get a strikeout after that. But he also, I remember one game, he set me up pretty good because he always would take that first pitch. He got me one game, too. And I remember just laughing at him going around the base. I said, well, that's the last time I'm going to throw him right down the middle of the plate. And then getting a chance to play with him my last year with the Angels and, and talking with him. He is so smart. You know, he knows everything about baseball. He is – I'm glad that the A's have him around a lot, and I get to see him every time we come into town to play the A's. He's incredibly smart. He knows the game. He's, he knows every way to be successful, whether he's in, in the field, at the, at the plate, or in the base pass, in his – his knowledge and his ability to translate that into helping other players out is, is invaluable. And I, it's great to see him around and we're putting a uniform on because I think so many people just think of Ricky, you know, just being, you know, the way he is, you know, I'm the greatest of all time and all those things like that. You don't realize how smart he is and how much he knows about the game of baseball, that he's a great guy to be around and a great guy to have a conversation with. You're never going to believe this. As we were getting ready for the show today, and we're lining up all this Ricky Henderson stuff. We just found out he's finally just going into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm like, he's not in that? He was in the Baseball Hall of Fame 11 years ago. How is he not in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame? Yeah, that, that's crazy because, I mean, he's, he's, that's, that's his home, and he, and he lets everyone know. And that's the beauty of it. He is so proud to be from there. And that, that's one of the many things that I've always respected so much from him He's proud of his roots, and uh, he's one of, like I said, he's one of the all-time great human beings I've ever been around in my entire life, and I'm so proud to say he's a friend, and I'm happy he's able to get that, uh, you know, another honor like that, but I'm surprised that wasn't a long, 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 long time ago that he was put in there at the Bay Area Hall of Fame. Well, you are the best, and I always appreciate the time. It means a lot to us here on A's Cast, and we'll see you down in Arizona. Sounds good, Chris. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I, I think... As crazy as everything is right now in, uh, in the dark cloud in baseball with all this stuff going on with the sign ceiling, that it truly is. There's so many incredibly young, talent, young, incredibly talented players in the game right now. This, this baseball season is going to be a lot of fun. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of surprises. Everyone's going to say, well, look at the Dodgers, look at the Yankees. But you know what? It, it, nobody thought the Washington Nationals were going to win last year, that's for sure. And they, uh, they proved if you – pitch well, you pitch deep in the games, you catch the baseball, and you have clutch hits, and you have a chance to win. Starting pitching's back in vogue. Yeah, I'm so happy with that because all the, you know, all the so-called experts saying, you know, starting pitching and wins by our starters are so overrated. The teams that have won and teams that are there in the end have the best starting pitching. It's, you know, Tampa Bay's always been a great story and, and you know, with our, their opener and stuff, but they also have Blake Snell and, and Last now and those guys like that that actually could start and dominate games too. So 
I'm glad that baseball realizes and, and understands that from all the you know the talk from the outside that it's not it's not that important. Uh, you're seeing all the pitchers, relief pitchers right now, that are all completely worn out because how many times they've gotten up and in games because of lack of depth in starting rotations. Look at Lake Trinan, who was unreal for the A's a couple of years ago, one of the best seasons I've ever seen, and then then he was non-tender and he signs with the, with the Dodgers. So I think he's got a chance to bounce back because they got some pretty good arms there in the rotation. It'll give him a breather on occasion. But that's, that's important for your bullpen, knowing that you got starters that are going to give you some length. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. We'll talk soon. Mike, right, have a good one, man. He is a sports radio icon. He is a radio Hall of Famer, has his own channel on Sirius XM, and, of course, High Heat on MLB Network. He's one of the greats of all time. Chris Russo is here. Mad Dog, how are you? Good afternoon. Great to be aboard. Getting ready for the baseball season. How are things going today, okay? It's going good, and since we last saw you down in San Diego, been a lot of craziness in our game. Yeah, sure has. With the Astro situation, uh, you know, bets getting traded. Uh, there has been a lot of, you know, a, a lot going on in the sport. Um, you know, now maybe a new playoff format, too. So uh, there's been a lot, uh, you know, in the last three or four months, the Astro situation bears watching. The Red Sox investigation probably coming to a close. Astros are going to have a little chip on their shoulder. Let's see how they handle that. Media for them in the next two days. Let's see how they handle that. Uh, I am, you know, uh, there are things I don't like about it, but, I mean, I certainly can't kill the new format if they do it in two years for the baseball. Uh, The Betts trade, I understand why Boston did it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryant was traded before opening day either. So, you know, baseball has had a very busy winter. They had the, the three big signings right out of the gate. Uh, and done by the winter meetings in Rendon, Strasburg, and Cole. Uh, then they had the Astro thing in mid-January. Then they had the huge trade with Betts. Now they got this with the commissioner's office with the playoff format. They've had a very busy offseason. There's no question about it. And change is always met with opposition. And I just want to say thank you for your monologue yesterday on high heat. Attendance is down for 12 straight years. What business in the United States of America would be down 12 straight years and not be looking around going, boys, we need to change some things? 100%. And listen, there are things I don't love. I mean, I don't like uh, 14 of 30 teams making the playoffs after playing for six months. Uh, I don't love the idea that an 82 and 80 team, two wins, and they can knock off a big time team in a first round playoff series. But uh, there's so much to like. Uh, you know, more postseason baseball, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you give teams more of an opportunity in the middle of the season not to tank. The Red Sox would not have made this trade if they felt that 85 wins could give them a chance to win a championship. They probably wouldn't have done that. And with the new format with the two extra teams in both leagues, 85 wins would put you in the postseason normally. So I think that, uh, you know, listen, uh, I think there's a lot to like about it. I like the six games in the one day. I don't even mind the TV thing. On Sunday, picking an opponent, I think it adds a little juice to it. It adds a little character, something a little different. They're looking, obviously, for the NCAA tournament feel. That's where Tony Petiti's, uh, you know, comes from. Remember, he did CBS forever, and Tony was really in charge of that NCAA tournament and the games and the switching. And, and he had, you know, that's where these ideas come from in a large degree. And I think, listen, I, I think it's probably
probably going to happen too. I think that the I think the player association will agree. I think the networks will buy um, once this uh, contracts uh, you know roll out and they conclude with the uh, with TNT and ESPN after 2021. So I think very much here you're going to see this uh, you know in two or three years down the road. And I don't really have a I don't like. 14 to 30 teams. So, I mean, I, I don't love that, but, you know, I'm going to have to deal with it. If uh, I want to make sure that just the best teams advance to the playoffs, I'd go back to baseball pre-1969. So, I'll have to live with it. I got a little taste of what's going to happen to the Astros this weekend down at Pebble Beach at the AT&T because Verlander was playing in it, and so was Jim Crane. At one point, Jim Crane walked off a sports radio interview when asked oh, about really? uh, when asked about an asterisk and, and that slogan about the uh, Astros with the asterisk. And then I got to follow Verlander for two holes, and I can't tell you how many times people yelled out "cheater." This is at Pebble Beach. This isn't oh, in New really? York. This, this is used. This is used to me. What sports talk program? What does Crane go on a radio show for? And think he's not going to be asked about the Astros? Why would he go on a show to begin with? For crying out loud. I, and to think that if you're getting heckled at Pebble Beach, what do you think it's going to be like in New York and Boston, here in Oakland, down in Anaheim? These guys, they have no idea the firestorm they're about to walk into. How did Verlander hire uh, – how did he handle the booing? Uh, the hitting comments. He just kept swinging and didn't look at the crowd at all. Really? Wow. Interesting. Well, listen, Bay Area, the A's fans, there's, you know, there are a lot of Oakland fans there. Uh, I guess I'm assuming that you know that has a little something to do with the intensity level, uh, but yeah, and I didn't. I knew Verlander played. I didn't know Crane did, but yeah, this is a major problem, uh, and the Astros are going to have to deal with this. Uh, you know, uh, they play the Yankees late in September, so they don't have to deal with it right away with the Yanks. But they will have to deal with this here down the road, and it's going to probably get to a point where they're going to get very annoyed by it, and it could be an issue. So uh, I do think that Dusty's the right guy to soothe the waters. I do think that the Astros, to a large degree, will be in a situation uh, where they'll have a little chip on their shoulder. You know, you think we cheated, and that's why we won, to go out there and play really well. I could see that, too, to a degree, where they, uh, you know, they're, they're angry every night, and, and you never catch them flat. I think that's in play, but I do think this is going to trail them. So we'll see how a young team responds to that, 100%. Yeah, their first two series, it's Anaheim on the road and then up here in Oakland, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the drama in Boston. I mean, you've been covering this a long time. You're such a big baseball fan. I mean, how rare is it to trade a big market team that has a ton of money to trade one of the best players, arguably top five, arguably number two to Mike Trout, to trade him in his prime? Yeah, I think they did it because I don't think Mookie, I don't think it has anything to do with the luxury tax per se. I think Mookie Betts did not want to play in Boston. He doesn't want you to know that. I think Mookie Betts wants to leave and let the Boston fan think that uh, he had no intention of, uh, you know, of leaving the city after he, uh, his contract was up. But the Red Sox opened him $300 million. Uh, if a player really wanted to play in Boston and loved it where he was, and two years ago the Red Sox, or a year and a half ago, they opened him $300 million, uh, the, 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 the response is not, well, give me 420 for 12 and I'll think about it. The response when somebody offers you $300 million, which is where Machado ended up signing shortly thereafter and traveled more than that, and Harper. Their response is, you know what? That's a tremendous offer. We can probably work around that. Let's negotiate. That's the response. 
And Betts' response was, well, give me 420 and I'll think about it. That tells me, plus the fact with all these rumors that were percolating here in the last three months, he knew he was on the block. If he really wanted to stay in Boston, he would have gone to management, gotten a message across that he didn't want to go anywhere and make a deal with me. And he did not do that. So I think Betts is smart. He's going to put all the blame on her, and the Red Sox faithful is going to put all the blame on the Red Sox management, and Betts is going to stay out of the way and inform through Jim Rice that he never wanted to leave. I don't buy it. I think Betts did not want to have, had no intention of signing long term with the Red Sox. And if you go with that idea and you think I'm right, well, then what were the Red Sox supposed to do? You can't let them walk for a fifth round pick. So you had to trade them. So, I mean, again, you could have played it out, uh, played out the season, thought about July maybe, make a trade then. But the Red Sox are not winning the American League East anytime soon anyway. So I think the Red Sox did what that franchise had to do. I really do. Let's end on this. The National League is going to be really competitive. The American League, there's a lot of underbelly there. We know the issues with the Astros. We know the issues with the Red Sox. You start looking at Yankees, Twins, Rays, A's. For our A's listeners, what kind of shot do you give the Athletics this year to win the American League? Uh, Well, to win the American League, I don't give them much of a shot. They're not beating the Yankees in a short series. Uh, the way it stands right now, the Yankees are a better team. So uh, I think the A's, though, could win the division. Uh, they have the younger pitching. Uh, they're due uh, to get out of that wild card round. Uh, the A's are better over 162 than they are in a short series because they don't have a lot of dominating players. And sometimes the dominating player, uh, you know, wins the, you know, Rendon was dominating. Strasburg was dominating. Year before that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of that Red Sox offense was dominating. You know, dominating players. Verlander dominating against the Yankees in 17. They don't have a lot of dominating in what I would call lights-out Hall of Famers who can get on a roll and just dominate a short series for a team, win two games, put the team on its back offensively. The A's don't have that. And I think that's what's hurt the A's in the postseason. Uh, In the three games they have lost recently, game to Kansas City with the big lead, Yankees, of course, they got bombed, and of course last year with uh, Tampa, same thing. They don't have the dominating uh, player. But so that means they got to get out of that one game shootout, and that means they'd have to win a division. They're very good over 162, and over 162 with the Astros situation, of course, now no coal. I don't see why they can't be very competitive, and they win 95 games every year. If they don't get off to a bad start and put themselves in a 12 game hole first two and a half months, which is what they always seem to do, if they don't do that, and keep their heads above water and keep the Astros within sight, they can win the American League West. I don't think they're beating the Yankees in a short series, but they can certainly win the division and get themselves in a divisional best of five. Certainly do that. You know how much respect we have for you and your career. We love watching you on television and listen to you on Sirius XM. Be well, and we always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, guys. Well done. Appreciate you having me on today. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.